if you see a faded sign at the side of the road that said 15 miles to the love shack. Ladies, gentlemen, and variations thereupon, this is modern escapism. Wait until that finishes. I was expecting that. Take my breath away and welcome to the show. My name is MC Oodles and joining me today, he's the dandy highwayman who you're too scared to mention. He spends his cash on looking flash and grabbing your attention. It's Biggie. <laughs> Thank you. He used to work on the docks. Union's been on strike. He's down on his luck. It's tough. So tough. It's Gadget. It, it is really tough up here, to be fair. <laughs> I, had to sell, I, had to, I had to sell my six string and everything. <laughs> Sometimes you're better off dead. There's a gun in your hand, it's pointing at your head. You're thinking you're mad, you're too unstable, kicking in chairs and knocking down tables. It's Stig! I don't know what that one is. Hello. That's your boys. Nah. <laughs> Tell me why I don't like Candy. Because she's fucking off the episode again. <laughs> it's all right, it'll, it'll come out of a Christmas pickup. <laughs> comes out of money. But yes, she's not with us again today, but she will be soon. Before we get into the show, please consider becoming one of our sexy and incredibly cool patrons to help us divide and conquer the podcasting world. Details are in our show notes, but mainly check out our website, modernescapism.co.uk, for more exquisite content and links to everything we do. Give me that thick, juicy, biggest breaking news, please. Oh. <laughs> you may already know, but he doesn't, because it's time for... Biggie's breaking news. Okay, so first up. <laughs> okay, first up. High this energy week. today. High energy. Come on, I'm pulling. I can feel it. it. I not... can feel it. <laughs> You've been snorting cowpaw again, noodles. I'm fucking <laughs> sick as a dog, mate. <laughs> so, Gears of War was released 16 years ago this week, and to mark the occasion, Netflix has partnered with the Coalition to adapt a Gears of War video game saga into a live-action feature film, possibly followed by an adult animated series with the potential for more stories to follow. So a certain ex-wrestler-turned-actor, Dave Bautista, responds to the fan casting about him for this and released a little uh, video on Twitter. And um, it looks pretty cool. The video is actually Gears of War promotional video. Yeah, because he, he was in Gears yeah. of War 5, isn't he? Yeah, it's an actual official from Gears of War Five. He was a skin where you could you could replace Marcus Phoenix with okay, Batista. Cool. You could, so it's an actual official Gears of War like promotional package. So it it's 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 there. It's there. It's, it's he like he's just he's Marcus Phoenix. Come on, like he's he's yeah. got the right he even shape, commented, the right size. He quoted it. Like, he says, I can't make this any easier. <laughs> he literally <laughs> can't. They could, they could do him and have him in, but overdubbing with John DiMaggio. So he's got, it's the full package. I no, don't no, think no, it would no. need to do that. That would be too complicated. But I, I, mm. I, I'd like Batista as, um, as Marcus yeah. Phoenix. He'd do well at it. I've been fan casting. I threw some of mine into our Discord. I'm going for Baird, Anthony Starr. Come on, you can see yes. it. Yeah, you yes. can see it. I don't know what that is. I mean, I know Anthony Starr, but I don't know. I, no, I don't know. Bears. Oh, right. <laughs> no, you, you stay out of this. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just, just with the beard, he's blonde. He's got that same sweet back hair. He's blonde. He's an asshole. Like, it's perfect. Okay. <laughs> and I thought that... Um, well, uh, Terry Crews would be, seem to be the perfect Coltrane, wouldn't he? But, he would. But I think Michael J. White would probably be better. Because probably, Coltrane's got to be a bit younger than yeah, Marcus, I was uh, Yeah, I was, I was going to say uh, Michael J. White's younger, isn't he? Yeah. Because Terry Crews is in his mid-50s now. You don't look it. No, I mean, he, he, he's got... I mean, Coltrane is basically him. Ex-footballer, like, loud, brash, muscly. Like, it, he is him, like, Terry Crews. But, uh, yeah. And John Bernthal, I thought, would make a good Dom. But... Um, Dom? And, yeah. Dom Toretto? No, no, no. no. Dom Santiago. Although I know that's a bit whitewashing. It, yeah, I, that's that's a little bit whitewashing. But I couldn't think of uh, a non-actor that I know that would fit that part. I just thought he looked the I part. I can. So. Vin Diesel. <laughs> we are never, ever rebooting Fast and Furious, I'm telling you now. Yeah, we are. That's not going to happen. reboot, and it's, it's, it's just still high in the stratosphere. He's crashing. That's the greatest. I mean, yeah, to be fair, you could you could also have John Bernthal as as bad. He would work for he would work for that as well. But you could put yeah. John Bernthal in any pit of it. He's just he's big enough, isn't he? That's what I mean. That's the, he looks that's hard the as fuck and his sports a good goatee. That's why I was like, yeah, he could be dumb. Yeah. He's, I, I, he's going to play me in our in our film as well. That's there. the problem with casting a Gears of War film is because look. they are so cartoonishly overloaded with muscle. You kind of it really limits the amount of actors like. The Rock will be in there somewhere because he's big enough to be in it. That's about it. The Gears of War people yeah. look like chuffing Warhammer people. The best, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the thing I always find funny about the styling on Gears of War as well is you've got these kind of really big, burly, massive men, but the women are like tiny and petite. And it's just like, it's such a random, like when you see Marcus Phoenix next to Anya, it's just, it's ridiculous. The disparity in sizes between males Because we can't have muscly games. women in our games with exactly. chainsaws. No. <laughs> <laughs> no way. <laughs> Next. Oculus creator has made a virtual reality headset that intentionally kills people, apparently. And it's called Nerve Gear. Can explode its wearer's brain. <laughs> the system one. aims to closely tie people's virtual life to the real one by bringing them to both to the end at the same time. If someone dies in a virtual reality game or, um, or experience whilst wearing the headset, and they'll be killed in real life at the same time. (laughs) 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 It does so by detecting the specific shade of red that shows when a person dies, meaning that the developers could easily integrate this in their system. Once that red shows, three explosive modules explode, instantly destroying the brain (laughs) of the user. (laughs) I'm getting one. Yeah, I pre-ordered. I'm I'm going to do that uh, Dark Souls 3 no death run that I attempted that time, and I got quite far, but I died. I'm going to do it again, but with this VR headset on. And if I die, I die. I can see you there. Pressure's on, guys. guys. <laughs> Fucking hate Palmer Lucky. He's such a cunt. He's, I've um, never even heard of him. So, so, so Palmer Lucky's the guy. He, he founded Oculus before kind of um, John, uh, John Carmack and Mark Zuckerberg got involved with it. Um, and they, he hasn't been involved with Oculus for, or Meta for quite a long time now. He got bought out of it. He's really problematic because he's into... Uh, military tech and he's killing private, people private military so yeah he makes things that kill people he does drone warfare for the US government like um, oh, yeah he's got billion dollar pentagon contracts and shit like that for counter drone systems it's just like yeah I he's saw fucking this fucking DARPA chief isn't he from Metal Gear pretty much yeah like I saw this piece of news uh, yeah that yeah that's fucking Palmer Lucky that's that's about right <laughs> what a I'm name as well Palmer uh, Lucky I'll be into it if there's a flashlight attachment 
<laughs> hey. hell, mate. <laughs> what if it kills your dick? <laughs> you get swallowed by a monster on the game and it swallows your dick fully. And you're dead. Come back, Candy, please. <laughs> <laughs> Next. You know, like Candy isn't getting one of them. <laughs> Didn't play it if it had Skyrim on it. <laughs> okay. Um, Doom Eternal composer has now claimed he was offered a six-figure hush money payout over the OST disaster, which is the original soundtrack. Mick Gordon claims he was offered a six-figure sum to take full responsibility for the controversy that came out about the release of the game soundtrack. There was Gordon a has alleged yeah. a significant crunch in the development <laughs> of the game soundtrack. He claims that he was asked to provide two levels of scores a month, but audio teams were reluctant to prove the music as the levels were already complete. With the Doom soundtrack sticking closely to the player's actions, it was extremely difficult to commit to the audio whilst it was until late in development. He described months of work exasperated by the outright rejection of some of the scores requiring four tracks. As ty- by the time the game shipped, Gordon says that he's delivered more than double the minutes stated in the contract but wasn't paid anything extra. And then apparently it got worse as his collector's edition announced and um, he claims he was not in pro- which wasn't actually in production at the time. Bethesda allegedly told Gordon that he'd receive a bonus if he provided a 12-song soundtrack by April the 16th of that year. But before the deadline, his work was scrapped, replaced with a much longer soundtrack that Gordon considers wasn't up to standard in an attempt to rectify the situation. Gordon alleges that he and Stratton agreed to a joint statement after he declined to take ownership of the mistakes that he claims were made by the Moss holder. A draft of that statement never arrived. So there's a bit more to it than that. Like the, uh, I read the, So Mick Gordon put out the massive medium post on it. And basically, yeah, he worked on Doom Eternal for two years. Uh, he, they were, he was given a really tight schedule to get music done, but the problem is that the levels weren't complete. Some of them weren't even concepted out. So, like, um, because as you said, the Doom score is very re- reliant on kind of player movement and player actions, but also it's emergent, isn't it? It changes. Yeah. But it's also the intense, mood and right? vibe of the level, like nothing was even blocked out, so he couldn't even see the shape of the levels, let alone the feel or tune of them. It takes a good composer months to do one. Like nine minute soundtrack, yes. Yeah. So to do two in a month is ridiculous. Yeah, but th- like things kept changing, things kept moving around. Um, when the yeah they they announced the uh, collector's edition would come with a Mick Gordon soundtrack. Uh, no one had told Mick Gordon. He found out about that by watching the E three live stream. <laughs> Jesus. Um, <laughs> and the game came out what end of March twenty twenty. Um, Mick got the contract to do the because because there was never any contract in place. So Mick said, "I'll do the soundtrack. Just give me a contract, and we'll organize the money, and I'll get it sorted." The contract wasn't delivered to him until two days before the game came out, which is why the soundtrack was delayed. Um, but uh, apparently, the whole thing is basically Marty Stratton, who was the creative director at it, um, is a massive dickhead, and was has basically been fucking Mick Gordon around for two years since the game has come out. Um, no like constantly delaying things, uh, not wanting to pay him. So, like Mick Gordon delivered, uh, like five hours worth of music for Doom Eternal. He was only contracted to do 147 minutes. Mm. Um, all of that music is in the game, and he's not being paid for like ha- the, like the bit that he was told was re- rejected. And then the worst part of it was, see, so he agreed to do this joint statement with Marty Stratton about the soundtrack. Marty Stratton then about two days later went on a Reddit and just absolutely dumped on Mick Gordon. Did this like open letter? Oh, you read um, it, people on on the on the Doom subreddit, 
and it's absolutely just like proper dragged um, Mick Gordon through the mud. So this is proper fucking horrible drama. But yeah, Marty, Marty Stratton seems like he's just a massive dickhead. Get him in the fire. Yeah, I think he, I think it's probably good to put him in the fire. I feel bad for Mick Gordon as well because he was saying like when he was delivering the soundtrack and stuff like that, like he was working twenty hour days, sleeping in his studio. Oh, fuck that! He, he, um, he missed it. He, he like spent a lot of time away from his family just to get it all done, and mm, they proper overworked that. and 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 then the the soundtrack that was released was ultimately there was like twelve Mick Gordon songs which were fine, and then there was like forty other tracks that were that. The creative, uh, the, the lead music, uh, lead sound editor, which is Craig Mossholder, um, he just kind of like chopped up like the little bits and pieces of stems that Mick Gordon had put in and create a piece of music, but he hadn't like mixed it properly, um, like he hadn't like crossfaded the samples. So there's like huge jumps in volume or like cuts where you can hear things rapidly changing. And it's and just, I bet it's your ears were fuming when you heard that. Well, yeah, I've, I've heard bits and pieces <laughs> of it, and it's fucking terrible. Um, but it's because it's attached to Mick Gordon. Like he's saying, well, mm. this you know, this is not the standard of stuff I put out. These are bits of music in game that were already mixed and mastered. You shouldn't put them together in a soundtrack like that. So yeah, he's he's not best pleased. There you mm. go. Bloody hell. Next. Yeah. Thank, thanks for that. A handful of buyers of the God of War Ragnarok Collector's Edition have been reporting their copies have arrived without the digital PS5, PS4 download code they were promised. Instead, they'll be sent two lots of the bonus DLC content for the game that gives you snow armor for Kratos and Atreus. Since the collector's edition doesn't actually include a physical disc, purchase has been left with one of the most expensive versions of the title, but unable to actually play it. And also, apparently, purchases of the Jotner edition are also reporting issues surrounding a missing steelbook as well. Oh, dear, oh, dear. It's fucking pathetic. And this is following on from the Last of Us special editions that were released. It happens well. all the time with these things, these big, massive tome editions, and then there's nothing in them. You'd think there'd it's be some better... Sweet, though. You'd think there'd be some better quality control on something like that, wouldn't you? You'd expect to. But no. They're not that special when they're, ma- when they're mass-producing 10,000 of them. No, yeah. The, um, I mean, I've, I've seen unboxings of the collector's edition. Like it doesn't look that good. It's a plastic. They never it's a plastic, do. It's a plastic hammer. They never do. They never do. There was that special edition of um, collector's edition of uh, Dragon Quest Eleven, and it had a slime in it and everything. And it just it just looked cheap. There, really there are cheap. Some, there are some of them that look like like for all their faults, CDPR do really good collector's editions like that. Um, yeah, the box is actually cool statue. as well. Statue yeah, well, the, the, the bike the, V. Well, the bike and V for Cyberpunk or the uh, Geralt with the Geralt with the Chimera. Yeah, they were really good. Yeah. Hit and miss. Hit and miss. Pre-orders. Mm, watch what you're doing. I think <laughs> I, I think collector's editions watch what you're doing. Yeah. The, um, what was the other one I saw, I saw this week? Oh, yeah, the collector's edition for um, Hogwarts Legacy. Have you seen that one? Do you get a broom? No, it's fucking <laughs> ridiculous. It's just a, it, it's a big box. It has, has the game digital download, whatever in it. But the actual collector's edition item is like it's a, it's a plastic spell book that you put on your desk. You plug it in. And it and then there's a plastic wand and it's like an electromagnet that just holds it and floats. It's like 150 quid. It looks shite. Stick getting it. I don't buy it. Shite. <laughs> no, neither do I. I mean, it's just it's just crap in it. I I used to get collector's editions all the time when they had no statues in it, and I, I haven't bought. I like statues years. and stuff, and I like obviously I like models and stuff. They're all behind me. I like to get the individual thing that I want rather yeah. than. Loads I mean, of diff- this whole 
floating one it's kind of kind of novel like kind of fits with the thing but yeah for still. 150 quid oh yeah it's still like absolute tart <laughs> no it's, it's a spell book buy, buy off wish.com for 20 quid uh, it might be a real spell book for all you know have no, you read the plastic. spells have you read the spells well no there might be incantations in there next <laughs> uh control 2 has apparently officially been um announced uh, it's going to be uh coming out not with a date or anything but Remedy has said that it's on its way. Um, I played a bit of the first one. I must go back to that. It's excellent. I love the first Control. Yeah, it's very good. I did like the ambience. Yeah, really good ambience, really good style. I like the story. Hated the map. The map was less than useless. But other than that, it was fucking brilliant. Um, I liked it a lot. I think Control 2 is going to be a while off because they've got Alan Wake 2 next. Yes. Mm. Aren't they linked or something? They're in the same universe. Yeah, same universe. There's a DLC for Control, which has a bit of Alan Wake in it. Yeah, so is um, uh, Quantum Break as well. That's in the I same think, universe. Have there's a Max Payne's in the same universe yes. as well? Like, it's basically it's yes. the Remedy verse. Yes, it's all in the same universe. Just their Maybe way not of... even the same timeline or anything like that, but they all exist. It's just their way of like if they ever want to do a crossover, yes. it makes sense. Yes. Yeah, it all exists under one banner. It's cool though. You should play Control if you've not played it. Definitely, it's cheap as well. It's cheap. It's not very long either. You can play, you can beat through the ten main hours. game. Yeah, main games are ten hours long, unless you want to do all the challenges. I would. I would really recommend the Alan Wake DLC as well. Really good. Next. Uh, next up, we have classic UK show Gamesmaster will be returning again in 2023, following a successful reboot in 2021. Although I've not it? confirmed whether Sir Trevor McDonald will return. I watched one episode of it. I didn't really like it. I thought it was alright. And I like Rab Florence that the the host it. I like him a lot, but yeah. He's no Dominic Diamond. He hasn't got that kooky and energy, has he? No, not really. <laughs> and that's that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for. I want him to it slag people famous, off for um, not being able to do Sonic. <laughs> it was the famous astrologer from the first one. Patrick Moore. Patrick Moore. That's it, yeah. He was really clever. He had no yeah, idea did. what he was saying. <laughs> he did not. He was coming up with game codes and stuff Jeez. as well, wasn't he? If you want to unlock the next zone on Zool, you have to press up, down, left. He's like, he ain't got a fucking clue what he's saying. <laughs> Love do, do, it. Do, do, do you remember when, I think it was the last series of um, of the original run when he stopped doing it and they got the game's mistress in instead? Yes, yes. And he was, when, uh, he, when he was on the was, island. Yeah, it was Jet from Gladiators. Yes. It was. Jet from Gladiators? It was one of the Gladiators, definitely. Yeah. I'd watch anything with her in it. I was going to say <laughs> Bring her back. Yeah. Get her back. Yeah. Get her on the show. Next. Uh, this was uh, rumoured that there'd be a TV series based um, in the Indiana Jones universe. And apparently Abner Ravenwood, the mentor for Indiana Jones, would be the main protagonist of the Disney Plus Indiana Jones series. Everyone were calling out for this, weren't they? <laughs> hmm. Nope. <laughs> well, I've always thought, um, I mentioned it before about how there was the, you know, the way it was ended, the, the film that doesn't exist. But there was a hint that maybe Indiana Jones would be uh, taking on the mantle by somebody else. And I do wonder if they're going to do something with that because they get the like right is, person, the right is, script. This is probably going to be set in the it's past, a prequel. So. Yeah, it's a, oh, yeah, it's a prequel, prequel. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't give a shit. Yeah, I don't care. If it turns out that it's good, oh. I'll give it a watch. Yeah, I, like I, I, everyone's like, oh, get Andor watched. I watched Andor. Don't like it. So yeah, the you're the only person I've heard say that. Literally. I know, like, I know. I've tried, I've tried. I've, I've got through like four or five episodes. I haven't, started, I haven't started yet. 
I like. I do like when the when Disney Plus are trying these things, but Indiana Jones. I'd I'd rather them just concentrate on making a good film first. I think I'd rather them oh, just yeah. leave it where it was. The kind of shit the bed with Crystal Skull. I'd quite like. Yeah. Like the the original three films, they work as a pretty well contained trilogy. Do what the you know what it doesn't they're need do. to be expanded anymore. They're going to get Chris Pratt in to be a Indiana Jones again. Set it, <laughs> start again, complete reboot. Wait, hang on. I thought it, I thought it was going to be actual Cannibal Shia LaBeouf. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> well, new film that, comes out. New films out next year, so we'll see. No, no we won't. I'm not going to pictures to see that. Does anyone, really, does anyone really want to see an octogenarian Harrison Ford do it? No. Swinging on vines. <laughs> just going, uh, uh, I hate snakes. No. That, 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 that look in his eyes that says, I'm only here for the weed money. Yeah. yeah. No thanks. Into it. Let it, let it die. <laughs> let it die. <laughs> next. Not Come chased on. by a massive boulder, he's chased by an orderly. Come on, next. <laughs> Uh, sadly, uh, some devastating news announced this week as the uh, fantastic Kevin Conroy, the legendary voice of Batman in the animated TV series, the Arkham trilogy, much, much more, sadly passed away at the age of 66. The Batman. The Batman. Yeah, absolute massive, massive impact on my childhood as well. He, like I said in our Discord, he made my love for comics cool again in the animated series. He was, he, he was definitely a lot of people's first Batman. Yeah, yeah, because a lot was, of people was, didn't see the Batman. Michael Keaton film. Do you know what I mean? A lot of people not seen that and stuff. Because remember, back in those days, you had to either have the video or go to the cinema. So, yeah, it was on, in the UK at least, Saturday mornings, wasn't it? And it was it was huge. It was a phenomenon. Oh, yeah, it was massive. And it's, it, it, it made... Like kids, I, I watched it with my stepdad. It made it made like kids TV watchable for everyone, and there were some good stories like the Heart of Ice and stuff like that. Just oh. a mask well, of the phantasm the is a great, great film. I love the Arkham trilogy as well, and um, Mark Hamill um, was a very close friend of his as well. They naturally yeah. got on well, considering they were opposites Enemies. in the game. Enemies. Yeah, um, I think I, I think as well. Like more than more than anything, I think more than any person who has played Batman, whether it's been animated or or TV or film or whatever, um, I think Kevin Conroy had the right voice for Batman. He did because like, I mean, given the fact he did so many different animated versions of him. Yeah. Um, but even when you see like other uh, other versions where he's not voicing Batman or, or Bruce Wayne, they're always trying to do something similar to him in the same way that a lot of people who play the Joker will try and do the Mark Hamill thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what makes Kevin Conroy such a legend with, with it because he was the definitive voice of Batman. He even he even did he even carried on being Bruce Wayne in Batman Beyond as an old Bruce yeah. Wayne. It was just oh, just fucking super sad. And it pretty much is his voice as well. I saw a couple yeah, of interviews yeah. with him. And that's it, how he talks. It's literally him. Do, do, <laughs> do, do you ever hear his his um his nine eleven story? Yes, where, yes. He's, where he was volunteering um, at, at a at basically serving food to like the, fi- the firefighters who were yep. like um, cleaning up, and like you know it's like a couple of days after it happened, and everyone in New York is still sad and somber, and he's just talking to someone, and the, the, someone shouts from across the, the tent, going, "Is that Batman?" And he just does that. I am the, I am the night. I am the night. That's it. I am the night in the Batman voice, and gets like a massive cheer. Oh, just Batman nice. serving us food. Absolute legend, and I, I, I want to request. Gadget to uh, play out this episode with the animated 
theme tune. Yeah, I, I think I can manage that. It's the same as the uh, the uh, the films, the first two films, but it's still a great theme tune. Oh yeah. So yeah, please. Gosh, oh, what a sad loss. Any more? Yeah, well, one uh, podcast is coming into an end, not like ours. Uh, my dad wrote a porno. Apparently, is finally coming to an end after seven years, six series, and two sellout tours. I've never even heard of it. Gadget had to tell me before we regarded what it good. was. I, I mean, you think that I fell off this halfway through season two, and it was just the same stuff over and over again. Yeah, so I yeah. got really bored with it. Me, me, me and Pippin have enjoyed it kind of all the way through. I've kind of wavered on the last couple, couple, couple of seasons on it, but it's been gen. I think it's less the story itself that's funny. It's more their interactions with each other. Like I'm listening to it for. Uh, Jamie, James, and Alice more than Did the actual story Did his dad actually itself. write a porno? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can go on Amazon and buy them. The Belinda Blink books. <laughs> I don't, yeah. don't want to buy them. Oh, it's just terrible. really funny. I, it's a, I hate to say it, it's a bit of a one-trick pony, like you say. It's the same kind of stuff as it goes on all the time. But to really get into it for the first season or so, at least, it is quite funny. Oh, yeah. I loved the first season and then I got half a few a second and I was kind of like, where's it going? I just got I mean, it does it, it does turn off. does turn into a series of international spy novels with terrible sex in them. Yeah, like, it gets surreal. And do they just read them out or something? Yeah, I mean, the, he's reading abridged versions of it out. So it's, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, and then yeah, they comment just... on what he said because he literally he can't. Well, he can write, but I mean, it's just awful. It's like a oh typical... no, I mean, a guy clearly yeah, has. It's in the title. <laughs> Some like is writing doesn't a porno. Know how, it's awful. He doesn't know how a female body works. Yeah, neither <laughs> do I. No, but like it's it's very evident where he describes things and like is it Alice? Uh, it's on there. Yeah, yeah. I should just be like, that's not how it works. <laughs> I, think, I think I think I think there was there was there was one line that always kind of sticks in my head where he's talking about he's talking about. Um, one of the characters fingering another one and it's like he, he's punching her cervix what that's it. <laughs> that's it. Are, the, are, the, are the two words throbbing member in any of yes, them yes frequently oh yeah you got all of that that's always in porno books okay I, I, he I'll, grabbed I'll, his throbbing member I'll, 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 give, I'll give you one line from here one, one quote from it because that, that, it's one of these there's loads of these 25 hilarious quotes and my dad wrote a porno but Oodle's just just imagine someone sitting down. I've got down. my hands in my pants. Yeah. Imagine someone just sitting down and seriously writing this okay. couple of sentences. Okay. Again, he slowly entered Belinda's pussy. <laughs> Felt like a man revisiting the house where he had grown up as a child. Everything was the same, but different. <laughs> Holy shit. I've got like, half a stunk not, on here. It's not sexy. It's, just, it's, so <laughs> it's not. I don't know, mate. It's so mad. <laughs> Is it the main character? Like, does she work as like a secretary or something for some weird spoiler alert? Pots and and pans. Pots and pans company. (laughs) So so weird. Mm. (laughs) I might give it a listen. Uh, I did did enjoy the the first series. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's very bingeable as well. You can get through the first series. It's ended now, so we can take over finally. Yeah. (laughs) And one final story. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) <laughs> one final story from the weird world web uh, influencer YouTuber author and former star of TLC's 90 Day Fiance the star Stephanie Matto has ended up in hospital after eating too many beans to sell her farts yes, <laughs> yes! <laughs> she sold this? her a jarred flatulence for $1,000 a piece and made over $200,000 in her two month venture 
was subsisting on a diet of yogurt, eggs and beans, <laughs> but ended up in the hospital when she thought she was having a heart attack. <laughs> what? She was making 50,000 per week in December through fart sales alone, eventually more than 200,000 worth of farts worldwide through her adult website Unfiltered. But in January 2021, she's hospitalised for what she thought was a heart attack, and it turned out to be a dangerous build-up of gas inside her body. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is, it, is this Sometimes just being I... reported now? No, 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 I think it's just found a weird for the, for the listeners, uh, I asked Biggie this, this week to, to spice up Biggie's breaking news and pick at the end of everyone just a weird, random story that he's found on the internet, and he's delivered. I love that. Oh, That's me. brilliant. Keep doing it, mate. Every week. I also think if you've got if you if you find a weird and wonderful one, then DM Biggie, send it to him on Twitter or please, or Discord. yeah, yeah. yeah. If don't find, don't if tell you, us, don't tell us. We like to, no. we like to get it on the fly. Yeah. Our reactions on the if show. If you find something really out there and stupid, <laughs> <laughs> bit of levity. Yeah. Oh wow! Thank you, thank you very much for that. <laughs> Is that the news then? Please tell me. That's the news. <laughs> I can't top that. No, you can't. <laughs> Let's dive right in. To the Nexus. Um, Stig, what you been doing, man? A couple of things. Well, I mean, I've been playing the the big game, but I'm pretty sure that we're all going to talk about that. So, I'll, Peggle two. Well, yep. Uh, so we'll leave that to the uh, to two the Peggle end. two furious. But <laughs> I went to see Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Yes. Uh, so I went to see this on day one. Uh, this obviously this is the the follow up to Black Panther. For the listeners, there'll be no spoilers on, on the yeah, game yeah. and on this. Yeah, there'll be no no spoilers in this. Just my thoughts. Uh, so yeah, this obviously follows on from after the tragic death of Chadwick Boseman, and we didn't know whether at the time whether we'd get a, a Black Panther sequel, whether they were going to recast him, or what they were going to do. But they decided to go ahead with with this film, and it kind it kind of takes place in the aftermath of King T'Challa's death. It starts off with. King T'Challa, it has got is he basically has a disease and it's incurable and he and he dies, and we're up the opening of the film as you'd expect is obviously a big funeral procession and tribute to to Chadwick and to T'Challa and it's a really really beautiful opening, hmm. but the opening to this film and the 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 Marvel you know when they do the opening with the the um all the characters and stuff that come up yeah. Because Marvel Studios, they do that, and it's what they do for that for this time is just it's really beautiful. It literally hits you like straight away. This, but uh, the film itself, it's we're now following uh, Shuri and uh, Queen Ramonda in the aftermath of T'Challa's death. And at the end, if you remember, at the end of Black Panther, T'Challa kind of promised the world up. He opened up Wakanda. And their resources and their technology and their health benefits to the world. Obviously, yep. since then we've had Infinity War, Endgame, what what happened with Thanos and stuff. And because of his death, this hasn't happened, and the rest of the world is getting a bit angsty about it. They're worried at Wakanda being the biggest superpower in the world, as you know, the likes of the U.S. and the Fran- French and. But the they're UK. isolated, aren't they, from everything? Because they're not getting it. They think they're under threat from Wakanda. And it, what basically happened, conspires is that they have tried to find a way to get vibranium elsewhere. And in doing so, they have found it, but they've undone it by locating Neymar's kingdom. 
Oh, the Submariner. Yes. And this sets off a chain of events where Neymar is basically goes to Wakanda and says, we are the t- two most powerful nations in, in the world. We have all these resources. People want it. We should team up. Yeah, yeah. And shit ensues. Like hijinks. Hijinks ensue. <laughs> so this film has done a re- it's a real it's a proper ensemble piece, this. So the likes of Shuri, uh, Nakia, and Baku, Okoye, Queen Ramonda, it's it's all about their stories and how they follow on from the death of death of Chichala. It it kind of focuses on Shuri, but it also sent it also kind of has everything for the other characters as well. Uh, Queen Ramonda, Angela Bassett in this. She is phenomenal. Like she gets a lot more to do in this film, and she, and yeah, the word queen is quite apt because she is so regal and powerful and just commanding in this film. She's absolutely brilliant, and Letitia Wright is excellent as well. Them two just absolutely phenomenal in this film, uh, and then the rest of them. Everyone else is everyone else is putting in a good performance, and you can tell it also feels like you know when when they're doing talking about T'Challa and they have got the funeral scene and other things. You can tell that it's not just acting. That, mm-hmm. that there's real emotion there for Chadwick as well, and it really comes across on on screen. Um, and on the side of this, obviously, we also have uh, Riri Williams, uh, Iron Heart. Her story is her introduction to the MCU, and also we have a bit of a side plot with Everett Ross and Val comes mm-hmm. into play as well. If you've watched Falcon the Winter Soldier, and I think. She's mentioned Hawkeye. Can't Black, remember. Black Widow as well. Black Widow, that's it. Black Widow. Yeah, so she comes up in that. She's going to have a bit of a, something to do with like the Thunderbolts and all that yeah. further down the line. Uh, so there's a bit of an all-side story with that going on. That's where the film falls down for me. Oh. The side stories involving them. You didn't but, care for it? Did, didn't care for him. Didn't need it. Took him out of the film. It would be exactly the same film, but all it's done is extend the lead time. This film is two hours and 40 minutes long. It feels too long. I've often said to myself, if a film is long and it warrants it, doesn't bother me. I'm not, I'm, I'm not a bother. doesn't bother me if a film's long. I'm quite happy to watch a long film. But I did find myself drifting away from at this when you're in cinema and you look at your watch and stuff and you think, yeah, I, I looked at the time a few times. There was a few yeah. times where I just thought this is dragging a bit. We we didn't need all this. Uh, I really liked Riri Williams, but uh, it's, it's Riri Williams, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it just wasn't needed. Like it, it's it's just again like these are planting seeds for MCU TV shows. Yes, I don't think this was a film we needed that. No, this was a film that we need. It needed to be cathartic, and and you needed a release after Chadwick's death. It needed to be something to celebrate that, and to also move forward. Yeah, and it does that in spades in other areas, but it also kind of just makes the film drag because of these. So you could have just taken them out, and I'd have been happy with the film, and it would have reduced the time by about half an hour as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But I mean, and. Neymar, Namor, however you want to pronounce it. Namor. They, they pronounce it Namor. It's literally pronounced quite different ways in the film. Submariner, just call him that. Yeah. <laughs> He's played by a newcomer to the MCU, uh, Tenok Huerta. Yeah. Uh, he's really good. Um, he's, he's really good. He looks great. Like everything looks great in this film. All like all the set designs, all the costumes, all that stuff. You know, the, the kind of stuff that you saw in the first Black Panther, all of that kind of, it looks stunning. Um, 
and but he's also a bit eh, like he's yeah. really good, but the character is it's not special. He's just an overpowered kind of mutant. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Like it, there's not He was always he's, he was always Marvel's Aquaman anyway. You just they just made him for that. Yeah, and he is um you know, you got he has uh now it, it, he's kind of representing the Latino uh, community in this film, which yep. is great. I mean, that's wonderful. That's what Black Panther has done for, for, uh, for their community and for now he's got this representation in that, and that's really great to celebrate that. And these films have been really good at bringing that to the forefront. Yep. But as a character, he was just a bit, uh, he's just mad at someone. So let's fight. Uh, yeah. And I just didn't, he, he wasn't as good. He didn't have the nuance of like Killmonger. I love Killmonger. Yeah, genuinely. Kill Mon- genuinely, I don't, fe- I don't feel like he were a baddie. That's what I mean, I love he does about some him. Bad, he, he does some bad things, but... He, hey, he we've all killed a spider, mate. But you do... You kind of understand where he comes from. Like, he, his plight comes from colonisation and, and being left... Subjugation. Yeah, and being, like, kind of left by Wakanda to fend yeah. for himself after, you know, spoilers for this film because of what they do to his dad. Like, it, yeah. it, you kind of get that. Namor's just kind of pissy because someone found his kingdom. <laughs> Fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> He's a xenophobe. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit of a drop in pathos there, isn't it? Yeah. A little bit. A little exactly. Bit. And he's a bit pissy because, you know, Wakanda, you know, won't help. It's, it's like, I'm taking my ball home. Yeah, it's a bit of that. And, and, and they do do a good job of showing how strong he is and how strong he's, you know, his kingdom is. And when they do go to there as well, it looks stunning and like excellent. Wait, well, you find out that Submariner don't have to breathe in space and he can swim in space. <laughs> oh, he does come as well with his uh, ankle wings, so he does. Does he? Oh, that's good. Yeah. Which mm. look really stupid, but then when you see yeah. that when he actually fights and uses them, it's he like, leaps up. He uses them as platforms, doesn't it? It looks great, but when he's just stood there and they're just going, yeah, as he's like floating around in the air like it looks a bit dumb but, mm. but yeah uh, I think it's not as good as the first one it's solid 3 out of 5 um, it's a good ending to the phase it's def- it's the second best film of the phase but that's not really saying much this time <laughs> there's only two good films <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> will I, wa- I wouldn't rush to watch it again I may watch it again down the line but like I said everyone's does a really wonderful job it, it really does pay tribute to Chadwick a few times in the film and the ending to the film is really beautiful like mm. absolutely stunning and this isn't a spoiler of what happens but I'm just going to let you know now you don't need to stay to the end there is no post credit good if it's it, two two hours 40 minutes good. no but there's no you know now Marvel's uh, MO is mid credit is set up for the next stuff yep. end credit is a funny thing the yep. way this film ends you, no funny you don't need it. It's yep. just, and oh. the mid credits scene is just. It doesn't set anything up. Anyone yep. who has complaints about all it, all they do is it's a big long trailer for the next film. It doesn't set anything up. There is a mid credit scene, but it is just, yeah, it's really good. And so yeah, the, I have my issues with it. I enjoyed it, but um, yeah, fortunately, it wasn't what I was thinking after that first trailer. It just. I just thought that that, that that first trailer I thought was excellent and it looked like something new and different, but then it starts to fall into a few different MCU tropes and it just couldn't pull itself out of that, even with Let's all the Let's have a reset stuff. on next phase. Let's have a reset. Yeah. 
Mm. So enjoyable enough, but I'm guessing if you're not really that arsed, I would just wait for it to come to Disney Plus. In about three months. Yeah, more than likely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Excellent, excellent. Anything else, mate? Uh, yeah, well, well, seeing as our candy's not here, I'll fill my time with something else. I'll just quickly yeah. mention The Bear. Uh, the, yes, the, I've been watching this as well. A TV show on um, Disney, Plus. Disney Plus. It's fucking excellent. Isn't it good? It's so, so good. Like one of 20 the, minute long episodes. Boom. Yeah, 20 to 30 minute long. They are. Mm. It's one of the best TV shows I've seen this this year. And I think there's only eight episodes. So you can fly yes. through them really quickly. It's super it, slick, isn't it? It tells the story of uh, Carmen, or Kami, as he is known. Kami, yeah. Uh, Bizarro. Yep. And basically, he's a, a young top chef at uh, the world's fine finest dining establishment and he leaves all that world to take over <clears throat> his recently deceased brother's sandwich shop and yeah. with that comes all of the kind of shit from the people who already work there from his cousin from uh so the people who just don't like someone new coming in telling them what to do changing the way they worked and he's while he's dealing with it doing this he's also having to deal with all the money issues that his brother's left the uh a strange relationship he's got with his sister and all this other shit just piling on top of him. It's just stressful as fuck. Yeah. It's so like if you've seen like boiling point and stress in a kitchen, that happens a lot. There's a lot the, of people being film. pinned up against well and getting a slap in. Yeah. A lot of people like infighting in the kitchen and just a lot of him just getting sweaty and red all the time because he's just stressing so much. But the sandwiches look good though. Oh, but the sandwiches and the food look amazing. <laughs> and it does find, really it, it does find time every now and again to just kind of slow down every now Show. and again. They, they, they sit down as a, as a workforce and they have a sandwich, a, a family kind of get together as they call it to prepare themselves for the day. Um, but yeah, it's it's really really good. The soundtrack is brilliant. Um, yeah, the acting I think is it's special, mate. It's amazing. Really special. Like it, it, every episode is brilliant, and there is an amazing quote in episode one, which I'm just going to quickly find because Gadget, you'll fucking love this. Oh, I think you love the show in general. Yeah, yeah, I think you'll really like the show. But this quote is um, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? I had it up and then I've lost it. I apologize. So. There's all these people waiting outside the, the shop to, for this like event that's the sandwich shop for this event that's happening and they're all getting all rowdy. It's a fighting and, game, isn't it? They've yeah, got a the fighting, fighting tournament. Game tournament going on. There's all these like people outside. And the real hothead uh, cousin comes out and he stands there and he's like and he shoots a gun in the end. He's like, Right, all you incel 4chan Snyder Cup motherfuckers. <laughs> You're right, I do like it. Yeah, they, they, are, they, are, they are they do all look like that those kind of people. Yeah. <laughs> And I was just like, well, I, I think I remember writing it down somewhere as well. Like, just so that uh, Gadget will yeah. love that line. And it made me yeah. laugh a lot. Into it. Into it. So, yeah, it's a show, great show. The show is excellent. I would recommend anyone to watch Like I said, half minute, uh, half minute, half an hour episodes, eight episodes. Yep. Boom. Yeah. Do it in a night. And they've, uh, they've already said that they're doing season two. So, yeah. Excellent. Brilliant. Brilliant. I'll go next. So, I've been playing, obviously, uh, God of War 2, but we'll talk about that in a little bit together. Uh, the main thing I do want to talk about is a fictitious show about a fictitious family that have fictitious hijinks around the world. But unfortunately, the press are always hounding them to stop them living their fictitious lives. 
I'm talking about Netflix award-winning show, The Crown, season five. <laughs> so, in this season, season five, we catch up with the fictitious Prince Charles and his rocky relationship with his fictitious wife, Princess Diana. And again, hijinks ensue. Um, we're introduced to a new cast of characters playing these roles, with Dominic West as the fictitious Prince Charles and Imelda Staunton as the fictitious Queen Elizabeth II. I adore this show, thoroughly. And this season pulls no punches whatsoever. If you've never seen The Crown before, again, it's about a fictitious family that run a fictitious country called Great Britain. Um, and it's based on a fictitious real life. Uh, uh, yeah, you tried uh, to imply that this is not a documentary series. This is not a documentary series at all. <laughs> Scotty, apparently, hasn't this season just like gone all out on the just. Yeah, because I was saying, my, just, my, my, yeah. my, fa- my favorite scene, a fictitious scene, is when the fictitious Prince Charles has a cheeky tampon based phone sex conversation with the fictitious Camilla Parker Bowles. And it cuts nothing out whatsoever. <laughs> it's so fucking good. <laughs> but again. It's great fictitious fun for all the family. I think everyone should watch The Crown. Um, all the family. For all the family. Again, <laughs> this is not real, and I'm not talking about politics at all. I've got this, That's how you get away with it, guys. That's how you get away with it. That's how you get away. It's all fictitious. None of it's real at all. But is anything real? No, no. But yeah, The Crown is genuinely one of the best dramas on telly. And how they do it is every season's like a ten year span. Yeah, and it's just, it's just all so of them have got like amazing actors in it. Yeah, they're like, all they're incredible casts. The cast, the what cast is it? for every season. What does it end incredible. Uh, this season? Um, it ends with the fictitious Prince Charles and the fictitious Princess Diana divorcing. Basically, oh, so about nineteen ninety four, ninety five. Yeah, yeah. A, a few years before a fictitious tragedy happens. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it ends quite abruptly, actually. Um, but yeah, as much as a lot of it is dramatised, they're not holding any punches of, of the uh, fictitious real stuff that happened in real life, in fictitious real life. But yeah, that's... <laughs> but the other thing I want to talk about is God of War, Ragnarok. Who else has been playing it? Yep. Wish yeah. I was. So you're not I'm playing here. it at all? Don't worry, no. we won't be spoiling, so feel free to jump in, guys. Um... How many hours you guys rocked up at the moment then? What do you reckon? I haven't managed a lot. I think I'm about four hours in. Yeah, four okay. and a half. Fifteen hours I'm in. I that sta- sounds about right for you. I started it yesterday. <laughs> I mean, you did do Elden Ring in a week, so... Yeah. yeah. Um, this... Uh, Told you it was Sky enough work. No, um, I weren't. I, were, I weren't. <laughs> um, I've been poorly, so I've been allowed to play it a little bit. I didn't play it at all on release day, because I didn't get it, did I? <laughs> fucking DPD but yeah the next day I didn't play it either it's yesterday I started playing it do you know what Um, I've got criticisms I have one big, I have one criticism so what's far. your criticism mate what, what is it it's, uh, it's just the same game it is like it I, I, it's a, it's a, what I've played of it so far. I've really enjoyed, and the story is what kind of keeps me going along. Yes, but but, but, the, but the combat essentially is the same. it's exactly the same so far. Um, but I don't really have a problem with no. With that, that does really, change. I just, that's just kind of my only criticism that it. I'm right not going to spoil anything, but that does change. Yeah, it does, I, I, it does I, spin it on its head a little bit. But the the main issue I've got with it, this is the most backtracky game I've ever played in years. 
It's just oh, no, I don't like that. It's super backtrack. I mean, that's however you want to play. You can just mainline this game and just absolutely go go it, through it, the. It, to be, to be fair, God of War 2018 was pretty backtracking. Yeah, it was. Yeah, but this is because this is such a bigger world. It's even more backtracking. Like today, just before right. we started this, I did a mission, a main story mission, running through. I'm not even going to tell you the environment because that'd be a spoiler. Running through yeah, an environment and doing this mission for someone. Did the mission. Thought, oh god, that was tough. Then a side mission popped up saying, "Oh, come and get this." I had to run through all that same area I'd just been through in the same drip, but something else was slightly different. And I was like, "You've done this about five times now." Well, yeah, but that's a, that's that's a side mission thing. Like so, for so yeah. far what I've done, I've done about two or three of the main story missions. Um, but I've been pottering about in the kind of the first sit, first city area. Yep. Um, pottering about on the boot. Um, doing mm-hmm. uh, there was a, a couple kind of back to back of the fight, of the side favors came up and I've been doing them and quite enjoying having this, this oh, the, kind of just li- little sandbox to play in. Yes. Oh, I loved yeah. doing that. Like I, I yeah. literally I come every corner. With you the should do that. Trust because me, you should do there's, that. There's you know there's landings that aren't side yeah. missions and you find things. I did I did that in the first one. Mm-hmm. Like the first one is an open world which I can get on with because it isn't it doesn't feel endless it does it feels it's like a full open world isn't it so it makes it feel like yes. you can go places but you, there is a definite kind of end to yeah stuff. yeah the, the first the first the first game to me felt very much like an extension of like the dark souls original dark souls map yes where it was an Spokes. open world that open world that was kind of concertina around itself so you yeah. could go where you wanted but it was a small path everywhere yeah, you went but, but that's the main gripe i have with this game it's, oh, I don't know if you can spoil it, but it's open worlds now to the point where you can see, you can see the pattern emerging. You do some big story beats, you, you see that, and then it opens up again. And there's just, this keeps happening. And I, I do, I, I like it because it's great. And the combat now to where I'm at 15 hours in surprises me, like continuously. I'm like, holy shit. Just when you've got used to something, holy shit. These, you, I've, I've had about four or five holy shit moments like they've done this oh my like, it's blown me away it's, yeah. it's 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 a proper 10 out of 10 game you can't deny it so far and it's not going to shit the bed the story the beats and the beauty because it's stunning it's absolutely stunning oh yeah and it's incredible the voice acting it's the best voice acting bar none it's, it's just it's, it's it's the caliber of the actors they've got in it's as impeccable well. It's yeah, absolutely impeccable. I, I I love just listening to them chat away, chat away. Yeah. When you when you're on your boat and and you just start yeah. talking about stuff and you find out these little bits of chunks of history and law, and it is based on real law. Yes, as well. Yes. So you you, you kind of start to get you know find out about all these things that you know is might, it, you um, might not have heard Mira, about Mira before. Again, is that his Mimir, name? Mimir. Mimir. Yeah, yeah. Mimir. If you're a big fan of Mamir as well, you get more. Oh, he's, of- got, he's he's there. You get more of his backstory as well oh, yeah. in this, which I yeah. appreciate massively. Like, I completely forgot that, yeah, he, he says it in the first game. He's from Scotland. He, that's his, his, you know what I mean? Yeah. He was brought to, and he talks about Scottish myths then. I'm like, oh shit, we're getting into this. And it, it's just, and these are just bits that you might not even see. These are bits when you're just on the boat. Just, yeah. These are, these are not story beats, but the favors are good because some of those side stories, you get more in depth on oh, yeah. the characters. Around the, you. Within within that first world, there is some serious side oh, yeah. missions involving Mamiya, and yeah, you, f- you find a lot out about him. 
There's one particular gadget mentioned at Discord today. Which oh, yeah. Just, yes. Yeah. Oof. Huge right moment. there in the field. Yeah, it is a proper huge moment. And it keeps doing this. And that's the, the, that's the only problem I've got with it is, like, I'm playing on the hardest difficulty because I'm just an idiot and I want to make it last longer. I am to the point now where some of that side stuff is just beyond my level because it does level cap you a little bit like an RPG. Yeah. You have, you have an armor rating, don't you, at top? It did that yeah, in the well, first it, one. Yeah, it does. It does, yeah. Well, yeah. And if you, it, like, I'm doing some side missions now and they're like level six, I'm level four. And I, you just can't kill them. You can't. You can't. You, yeah. you can't. You can't. So I don't know if that's a difficult thing or I'm just unlocking things that I shouldn't be unlocking yet. I think, mm. I, I think, well, I think it's probably a little bit of booth. I think you're kind of maybe go, going. Because because the gate the, the 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 everything is set up that you can go back to places and yeah. do things later. Oh yeah. So um, yeah, I, I wouldn't worry too much about that. But no, I'm I'm just I'm playing it on. I'm not playing on the easy stuff. Cause I'm playing on like the the one just under normal because me and Pip are, play, are effectively playing it together. So I want to don't want to get stuck in things so she can enjoy the. Story. You don't want her to be bored of you just fighting the same thing. Yeah. with massive health pools. Exactly, yeah, but I'm I'm absolutely loving the combat. I, I'm I think I'm loving the writing more as well in this one. Oh, it's like, so good. Everything feels w- slightly wittier. Do like, you read spe- Do you read the law the law logs? Because they're even they're so I, good. I, I tend to save up a few and then read them all at once. Oh, they're so um, good. There's there was one line quite early on which because I mean Mamiya brings a lot of the comedy to it yes. as do uh, Brock and Sindri. Yeah, but the um. The one line from Mamiya that it, it's really early on. It, I think it's the first time you smash into a cave to, to get a, a, a chest. And he just pops up with his, oh, so we're now smashing things for joy and profit again. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, is, there is one scene that I really loved way later on from where you are. I'm not going to spoil why and stuff, but you're, you're, you're escorting someone and that you, you, you turn left to go and find some treasure and that person goes, what's he doing? And Mimir goes, he always does this, brother. He's, he's always going up and bashing into crates and stuff. He's always do- I'm like, if I'd have not done that, I'd have never heard that. And there's one bit where I kept, I kept changing my weapons and Mimir's going, every time you put your axe on your back, you're knocking my head. <laughs> it's so funny. But yeah, it, it's, it's a proper knockout 10 out of 10 game, but I think you pick up... F- Perfect things, don't you? More than you pick at like you do. seven out but, of tens. But the the thing is, there is so much to be joyful. The art, the art style and, and design is fantastic. Facial animations are off the fucking charts. Oh, have you seen? It's, have you seen Kratos is quivering, oh, his lip quivering, and stuff like that? It's so yeah. Fucking, there's um, the, the, there's the, there's a a full blown mascara warning moment in like the opening hour of the game. Oh god, yeah. Um, and you see. It, it, it's the standard thing. Atreus is upset about something. Kratos kind of steps away from him, and it's the first time I've ever seen it in a game where you where they've just done the, those micro expressions to say that he's holding back tears, and it's just yeah. like, my god, mm. it's like it, the animation is so good this time mm. around. Like the technology's mm. gone so far, it's nearly nearly photorealistic at times. Just details it's, in his beard and stuff, like it's just you incredible. see the little individual grey hairs yeah. in his beard and stuff. There's one, or, there's or when one the scene snow gets kind of caught in it. There's one scene later, and I won't tell you context. Or anything. Kratos is just having a rest, and he takes all his armor off, and he's just having a sit down on a bed, and he just looks at his hands. His hands are shaking. He look, he goes like that with his beard, and his beard moves into his hand like a beard does, and he wipes his brow, and I'm just like. How are they doing this? Like his skin <laughs> follows his, his finger as he yeah. wipes his. I'm like, this is insane. It's, it's even stuff like his beard reacts to the wind now, you know, yeah. which it didn't in the last game. And it's just that there is such a, a wonderful sense of detail in it the lighting, the composition of everything. They're still carrying on with that. 
single camera following Kratos and Atreus through. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when it goes into cutscene, it goes into, like, handy cam, which is how, how they did it in the first game. Yeah. Um, it just spins like, around then, doesn't it? Yeah, like, Cory Barlog has absolutely out, outdone himself with the kind of the visual direction of it. Oh, he's a master. Um, is it the same uh, voice actor for Atreus? Yes. A few years down the line. He, he, he is. They do mention that as well. Because well, he was 12 when he did the original one, and Atreus yeah. was supposed to be nine, I think, at the time. Yeah, he's um, like 15 now. He's now like 15 now, so he's basically he's aged up into his voice. Yeah. Um, mm. And his, his voice keeps breaking in it, in the mention yeah. it as well. <laughs> the, 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 Your balls are dropping, boy. <laughs> they've they've, they've managed, managed to capture that awkward teenager look, like that phase yeah, where, it, where he's like... When he's, he screams, he goes... Ah! Well, no, but they managed to capture it again in his face and his design. Like, you know, he's he's not quite fully grown, but he's not a little kid anymore. He, they've kind of got that 14, 15 year old look about him. Um, yeah, there was one scene. There's one scene on the. It's just on that, on that bit where you are on the boat. It depends how long you spend spend on the boat. And uh, Atreus goes, um, I think my beard's coming through. Yeah, I've Kratos heard that goes, line. Yeah. Kratos goes, mm, really? He goes, yeah, I think my beard's coming through. It's coming through. He's like, hmm, really? He's like, having to put my beard off with him. He's like, there's, oh, it'll be like yours one day. He's like, hmm. Yeah, there's, lot, there's lots more of Atreus and Kratos getting on as opposed to the first yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there is. They're not fighting anymore, are they? Or, as, or at least as much. But there, as much, yeah. There, there, there is more of the kind of father-son dialogue which works, you know, rather than... Atreus asking something, he goes, "Be quiet, boy." You know, there's not yeah. less of that. Um, yeah, he don't call he don't call him boy as much in this, does he? No, he actually refers to him by name. Um, yeah, yeah. And the the um, I mean, I, I know it's probably, it will probably change the story goes on noodles, but how good is the way they've done the big bad? Perfect. It's just oh, the, I, I I love how absolutely perfect. He when he first appears, I'm not I, I wasn't expecting what we got, and I definitely was not expecting the actor. Who's playing him? Perfect, Richard. absolutely perfect. Um, but when he comes here, it's just like, yeah, this is fucking brilliant. And there, there, there is not a miscast person in this entire game, and I've met a lot of people in it now. The guy who plays Thor is from Sons of Anarchy, isn't he? Yes, he's Opie. Yeah, yeah. Opie. Yeah, mm. I heard that when I was like, when I listened to him, I was like, I know that voice. Like, yeah, <laughs> he's doing he's doing a very Thanos voice though, isn't he? Yeah, I, yeah, I I I love that scene where they meet. In the, in it's the just, beginning, it's really good. Every person cast in this is sensational. Even like the, do you know some of the the ghosts that you do the favors for and stuff like that? Yeah, some of them are famous people. All right, not not to Death Stranding's level. <laughs> There's no Jeff Keighley in this one, is there? <laughs> no, but some of them are re- like real people, and it's like, oh shit! And yeah, there's some characters that you haven't met yet that. They're they're going to be on uh, like deviant arts for a long time. Oh god! Come. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah. Some, it's, some... it's excellent. Like I said like like I said, my thing was only a little quibble that I, to start with. I know it will evolve throughout it. It does. It, it, it just kind of felt like it's the same. But then I just then I just kind of thought, well, it's the start of the game. At least you kind of carrying on from the first game, and you've got his axe, and you've got the the blades and everything, and it isn't just a case of, you know, like you've so lost many games, all your weapons. You, you've lost everything. Yeah, <laughs> no, he's got It feels like you actually just carry carrying on from that it, game. They've just made the baddies harder. That's all. They, they, yeah. they actually do make a point of that in the dialogue as well, and in the kind of the, the opening little bit of the story, where yeah. where Trace is saying, "Why do we have to train?" It's the same every time, and I quite like yeah. that they have that because all the gameplay you've had up to that point has been the same. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah. I have a theories as well. I posted them in a Discord where I think from what I've seen so far, like, hmm. like where the story will end or will go and what things might happen. So I'm interested to see. I'm not commenting on your theories. <laughs> I'm not reading from theories. What, from what I've seen so far, mate, I'm, I can't because I know things already. Mm. <laughs> Major things. So obviously not knowing the ending and stuff, I assume that, again, by the success of how it's going with this game as well, that there's potentially... Could be a third one, I guess. No, they, they've already said this is the end of the um, saga. Yeah. So, oh, really? The, the, the Nor- yeah, Norse mythology is, this saga. Is, I mean, Kratos might appear again later down the line. to Rome, aren't they? Egypt. I've always said. Do you oh, know, Egypt, mem- yeah. Remember on the first game when they were in Mimir's tomb and they were Egyptian things? I always thought, I always thought mm, maybe we're going to Egypt. Mip, 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 Sli- mip. Sliding down a pyramid. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> maybe, they'll, maybe they'll just send Kratos around like like every 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 um, every, every belief system where it's where every it's a pantheon, pantheon of gods. gods. Yeah, <laughs> they, they literally could do, couldn't they? They could send right. Let's send him to let's send him to Italy. Let's send him the to the Church Egypt. of Scientology. Let's go. Send him over to <laughs> let's send him over to China, Japan. Yeah. <laughs> Final, final boss has beaten Xenu into crap. <laughs> he is the ultimate atheist, isn't he? He's just a god killer. <laughs> he doesn't like what he is, so he'll destroy them all. But yeah, it's a great game. 10 out of 10 so far. Um, I'll have it finished probably by end of next week. But I'm, I'm taking my time with it. That's why I've put the higher difficulty on, because when I first started playing it, I was just smashing shit out of everything. I only played the original one this year as well, so still it's got cute. those. Not first time, no, not for first time. Oh, I was going to say, oh, yeah, I thought uh, I came to it late. Oh, there was a moment yesterday, right before I finished, saved it up and, and finished for the day, where it just something happens and Kratos just takes no, gives no fucks and he's just, it, it's almost an inconvenience and he just kind of does, yep. just kills something and you're just like, yeah, fucking get in. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> you, don't, you, you don't even have to, you don't even control it. You just watch him and he's just like, rah, fucking. Yeah, <laughs> going nuts. I love it. Oh, basically. <laughs> <laughs> good energy, good energy. Uh, right, sorry, I've took over that. Uh, Gadget, have you done anything other than God of War? Uh, yes, I have. Uh, I, I, I've been, I've, I've gotten about a third of the way through this this week, um, and I kind of wanted to talk about it. It's got it. I've been reading Garth Marenghi's Terratome. Oh no! Which is for anyone familiar, Garth Marenghi is a character by Matthew Holness, who is a horror author in the Stephen King vein. Um, yeah, who was cocaine included? Yeah. Uh, or actually, as he describes himself, um, a dreamweaver, visionary, plus actor. Plus uh, actor. I love that plus actor. <laughs> uh, if you well, need to contact me, <laughs> yeah, uh, he's a he's as a character, he's depicted as a conceited hack writer who remains blissfully or even willfully unaware of his lack of talent. <clears throat> he's um, terrible. And I so Garth Marenghi's Dark Place was out in like two thousand and four, which was a, a spoof eighties horror show. Um, Full of kind of continuity errors and terrible writing and awful lots sound of blood. and uh, lots of blood, <laughs> and I fucking adored it. And it's yeah. been about eighteen years since that came out, and the, the, Holness hasn't really done anything with the character since. There's been nothing else from it, uh, and it was quite a surprise earlier this year when he announced that he'd actually written a book in Garth Marenghi character, <laughs> um, and it's fucking hilarious. I mean, the 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 the, uh, the subtitle on the front of the book is "Curled Up with This Book." And die. Oh dear! Like that, like that VR thing that's coming out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's really good. I mean, the, even the the details are fantastic. Like the, the, the I'm showing the video. The way the way the book looks, it's got that weird, horrible kind of slightly plasticky feeling that Stephen King books from the 80s have. 
It looks like uh, Dean Koontz and uh, what's yeah, it called? Yeah, yeah. Clive Barker and stuff. That's exactly, well, that's kind of what he's going for. Yeah. Uh, so Terratum is a three-part uh, anthology of, mm. of, of Garth Marenghi's design, and uh, he, he's written in the kind of introduction as Garth Marenghi. Uh, oh, it, it it is important to know it is based on uh, based somewhere around on the A to A uh, the A seventy eight in Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which services is that? Uh, so so yeah. So he says in in character in the in in the introduction, I began writing Terra Tome in the late nineteen eighties, continued throughout the nineteen nineties, and carried on deep into the early to mid two thousands. My grim vision of a world in which a horror writer's imagination literally leaks out of his head to wage supernatural war against unsuspected mankind was not just wildly visionary for the time, but is now judderingly prescient. Who knew that a reality would soon be upon us where every crazy thought or theory dreamed up by untold doom scribes, them, would possess enough potency and power in the minds of the terrified masses, you, to emerge breathing and seething <laughs> as grim hard fact, it. <laughs> It's it's really really funny if you get the joke. If you don't get the joke, if you aren't a fan of the concept, imagine but, picking it up not knowing. Yeah, if you thought this was like a genuine <laughs> horror thing, you would be sorely disappointed with it. Um, so I've read the first of the three stories so far, which is called Typeface, which is about a struggling horror author called Nick Steele. Of course, oh, he is <laughs> the most handsome, brilliant horror author of all time, who writes pr- primarily in the oeuvre of skin disease horror. Who <laughs> um, is he's that niche? He's been on a bit of a slump, and he's having difficulty getting his true his true horror out there until he finds this this ancient Egyptian typewriter um, <laughs> that is possessed by a demon um, who opens up his mind and allows the horror to spill out while also having horrendous awful sex with him. Yes, the oh, ma- yeah. the man does fuck his typewriter repeatedly, mm-hmm. um, like you and your keyboards. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> oh, you and your Gundams, <laughs> yeah, bashing them, bashing them, bashing them into each other. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so it's a it's a demonic typewriter. It, it, this is again, it's basically taking from the Stephen King thing. I, I want to read some some passage from it because the whole concept is Nick Steele is supposed to be slightly autobiographical to Garth Marenghi. So it's characters yes. writing characters, um, and in 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 the lore of Garth Marenghi, he is like. Divorced with a wife, like his ex-wife hates him and stuff like that. And his daughters don't talk to him. So there's this bit in in the opening of Typeface where he's he's trying to decide whether or not to buy this typewriter. The typewriter's calling out to him, saying, "Buy me, buy me." Um. Uh. So he's, so you get the "buy me" that voice again, whatever it was, wherever it was coming from. It seemed to be reading my innermost thoughts. It too wanted me to buy the typewriter, and the strange thing was, I now felt like I was being forced, ordered, co- and compelled. I quickly did the math. Despite my fame, I knew I'd be unable to claim ancient antiquities against tax. I've tried several times, but to no joy. Meaning I'd need to make <laughs> savings elsewhere. If I ceased all alimony payments to sent to my ex-wife to live in the rented, in rented accommodation at her own expense, selling all my daughter's non-transportable toys, I might just be able to afford it without dipping into any of my own money. Given that Jacinta had yet to forgive me for press-ganging our daughter into an early proofreading career, it would hardly come as a surprise to her if I suddenly re- recommenced hostilities out of the blue. I wouldn't need to worry about any legal challenge either. Early on in my career, I refused to co-write anything with another human being, including my marriage certificate, for which I'd employed several pseudonyms. So any potential ex-wife would need to descend all nine circles of hell in order to extract a single penny from my mounting fortunes. And if this typewriter was really the one I'd been seeking, those fortunes would soon be mounting even higher. 
Always litigious, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it? That's the level of the writing in this one. Um, it's not. It's not scary. It's funny. It's it's one of the few books that's made me laugh out loud frequently as it's gone on. Um, that, well, that was me when I read the Alan Partridge one. Yeah, but yeah, it's weird yeah. when you laugh out loud in a in a work canteen. <laughs> You've got a book. But I do have to stress, you need to get the joke. Like, if if you don't know who Garth Marenghi is, or you've never seen Dark Place, or you've never seen uh, Man to Man with Dean Lerner, or any of the, the any of the kind of that era of British Channel Four comedy, so like anything with kind of Richard Ayoade, like or anything like the IT Crowd, or anything, like Nathan all, Barley, Nathan Barley, like all those people who were kind of friends in the early two thousands and doing Edinburgh shows together. If you don't get that humour, you will hate this book. But if you like Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, you will fucking love this because it is perfect. Because that was, the, that was the one thing that was missing from Dark Place. There was never any explanation of his books other than that little bit that he would read out in the intro. I've got to wait till it comes in paperback, though, because I like to take books with me. I can't take a tome with me. I would have thought you'd have just got it on auto, audiobook because it's, 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 it's Matthew Holness reading it out in character. Oh, is he doing it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, far, I'll do that then. Fuck it. <laughs> I'll do that then, yeah. yeah he's, he's back in the Garth Marenghi voice in that weird if East I, End if I'm reading, oh, oh, brilliant. If I'm reading physical books, it has to be paperback so I can crease it and write. I like to write in him. You know, I like to put annotations and stuff in him. Yeah. Oh, he, 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 does make, he does make a point in the intro about not breaking the spine. It's bad for Ooh. you. <laughs> you should see all my Lord of the Rings, mate. They are tattered. Yeah, <laughs> tattered. Last, awesome. last, last thing. Last, last thing I want to read out about it. It's it's just the it's it's the the in jacket um, synopsis. So it says, "Dare you crack open the terror tome?" Brackets. Mind the spine. When horror writer Nick Steen, not Steel, Nick Steen gets sucked into a cursed typewriter by the terrifying typeface Dark Lord of the Prolix, the hellish visions inside his head are unleashed for real. Forced to fight his escaping imagination now leaking out of his own brain, Nick must defend the town of Stalkford from his own fictional horrors, including a vascular necrosis-obsessed serial killer Nelson Strain and Nick's dreaded throppelganger, the Dark Third. Can he and Roz, his, infrequent, his frequently incorrect female editor, hunt down these incarnate denizens of Nick's rampaging imaginata before they destroy Stalkford, out of Stalkford, and possibly slightly further? From the twisted <laughs> genius of horror master Garth Marenghi, Frightener Man, Dark Scribe, Doomsage, plus Manshee, come three dark tales from his long-lost multi-volume epic Terror Tome. Can a brain leak? Yes, it can. <laughs> I'm into it. Big style. I'll get, I'll get that on Audible on my credit. Is it available now? Yeah. I'll use my credit this month. Awesome. Brilliant. Thank you. Big it. Done out. Yeah, I've had a bit of a bigger week. He's um, had a bigger week. That's fine. One Good, because we've been rattling on. <laughs> One thing uh, I did do was, um, thanks to going past, there's the new version of uh, Spreadsheet Simulator is now out, Football Manager 23. Oh, I wondered what you meant then. I was like, what? I was going to say, weren't you trying, trying it, desperately on Twitter a, two, a couple of weeks ago to get a code for that and it's just hit Game Pass? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> of you are. Um, I prefer to have it on Steam if I can. But uh, yeah, it's... Uh, Use a mouse. Why don't you just use the Xbox uh, desktop app? No, I have. That's to say, like it's. Um... I think he means he prefers it on PC, regardless. No, but the no, on Steam, on I prefer. <laughs> I prefer Never getting it through Steam than having it. Let's uh, not confuse him. He's getting confused. But anyway, um, but then my laptop died on me this week, so <laughs> I had to go through uh, so, fixing oh. all that. Before our pod on Friday, managed to get through that. Um, I have been watching Cabinet of Curiosities. Good, isn't it? Really enjoying that. But uh, our beloved Candy had already um, covered that last week. But yeah, really enjoying that. Uh, mm. I think I'm up to 
the the viewing episode. Yes. Yes. I've only watched so, yeah. three or I've seen them all now. Uh me and me, me believe it or not, I watched it with the missus. Whew. I know. Well you told me actually, actually same room. I actually really annoyed at myself because it was late and I fell asleep for episode two, but the bits I caught, I was like, this is my worst nightmare. Like, small enclosed spaces and rats. Yeah, yeah. Rats. And so I need, yeah. I, need to re- I need to rewatch it. Yeah. It's, it's, they're all really well done. They're it all really good. Very, very genuinely good. really good. And Candy is right. Guillermo del Toro is cute. <laughs> when he rocks up at the beginning of every episode, he's so cute. Yeah, his little shuffle, bless him. Yeah, he's so he's, cute. He, his body doesn't look right. Doesn't no, he just look off. He looks like a ball, doesn't he? <laughs> it's I love it's, what, it's the same when you play Death Stranding, and every time you see Dead Man appear, yeah, it's not his voice, it's just, but it's his bo- his body model, and it's just like it doesn't look right, does it? <laughs> no, he's <laughs> just super cute. I want one. But yes, <laughs> let's move Wait. on. But oh, yeah, God, just the last thing, uh, really enjoying, uh, as I mentioned, Game of Thrones, we're halfway through season seven now and still enjoying it. And I think it's better watching it a second time around. Are you going to jump really? into House of the Dragon after that? Yes. We will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just be prepared for a lot more talking in House of the Dragon after season eight of Game of Thrones. That's a <laughs> yeah, story. Imagine. Oh, there's lots of story and it's good, but there's not so much um, um, teleporting. Let's just say. I like I like the character depth. I like it when they go into yeah. the political side of the families. I, I think that's what made Game of Thrones really There's good. There's a lot the of round table round. discussions in, in there is, yeah, and that I, I appreciate. Th- I think once you get your head around who's who and who's related to who and all that kind of stuff, it it is much better. It's more confusing than House of the Dragon because we've all got the same name. <laughs> yeah, they've all got names exactly <laughs> the same. <laughs> Put subtitles on. <laughs> Trust me. But yeah, that, that that has been my week, I'm afraid. No, that's fine. Excellent. Let's move on to the main topic. So, last week, um, we were given homework, weren't we? We were. Oh, yes. To listen to 80s albums of our choosing. Um, I'm going to start proceedings off. I was given uh, the Cactus album by Third Base by Biggie. Sign your life on the X. Your exit, exit, but what you really get a box of new ports and Puma sweat. Text feeds and frowns upon emis to give a gas face and drinks from a thermos. Sub rock could at you with a clipper. Gas face given. I beg to differ. Pete, that was real tough, man, but I gotta get serious now. Hey yo, Don, step to him again. Everybody, MC Search. Black cat is bad luck. Bad guys with black. Must have been a white guy who started all that. Make the gas face. But those little white lies. Now, admittedly, I've been poorly this week. I haven't given the album my full attention. I've only listened to it in full three, four times. And I'm really, really sorry, Biggie. And I don't like doing this, but I fucking adored it. I absolutely (laughs) adored it. This has to be one of the biggest surprises this year for me. I've, I'm only kidding. I've listened to it loads all week. I've listened to it all week, literally nonstop. It's sensational. So, I like it that much. I've bought vinyl for it. <laughs> what? Yeah. They've done, done two albums. There's another album yeah. as well. Yeah, I know. I've, I've been listening to that as well. I, I, I think third base is sensational. And yeah, <clears throat> the, the groundbreaking for having a, a mixed, diverse lineup aren't they as well especially in them them days but there's, there's the only negative I've got with the album is 
the skits. I'm not a skits person. Nobody is. Nobody is. But they're not long. Um, And the cultural clash between, like, the album sound and the lyrics, it's proper inspired. It's like jazz fusion meets NWA crossed with, like, 80s bombast. It's proper. 10 out of 10 album. Like, um... What's it called? The second, the, the the first song after the opening. That's literally one of my. Is it like what, what, what's it called? Sons again? of Third. I've got the list in front. That's of me. the one. That's the one. That's literally on my playlist now. I have listened to it so many times. That's such a banger. That song. <laughs> to I'm the so point surprised where, you read it. No, it's just so good. It's just so fucking good. I didn't expect. It. I've played it that much in kitchen and stuff like that. She's been telling me to turn it off. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Like, I proper, I'm so, like, happy that you've brought this to my attention because it's something I would have never even gone anywhere near. I, I think it's genuinely a 10 out of 10 album. I think it's sensational. Well, that was their problem because they were such a good band, when they, like you say, when they mm. came out. And then Sony released two albums and then split up. And yeah. they sort of, only real hip-hop heads would have heard of them. And Eminem actually referred to them in his speech when he got entered into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this week as well. And he referred to them as one of his inspiration. He did a long list, by the way. They weren't the only one on there. there was loads. I can see it being an inspiration because obviously a white, white rapper. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah, they, they were a big thing. They, they were in the group. Um, MC Search, one of the rappers, he helped produce uh, Naz's first album. So, I mean, He's so good. They were in that group of big hip-hop stars in the sort of end of the 80s, early 90s. And yeah, mm. they, they lived in the streets and the ghettos and in you the can tell areas where they like, all came from, you know? It's just, it's not like <clears throat> in-your-face offensive. They're not trying to break barriers. They're not trying to flip the table or anything like that. They're just trying to put good music out and you can tell, you can feel every single iota of the, of the songs are just, Perfect, mate. The perfect. <laughs> it's genuinely one of probably one of the best albums I've listened to in the last ten years. Genuinely, wow. I'm not even kidding. It's fucking amazing. If you're not into it, made my day. I don't. I don't care. Listen to the Cactus album or Cactus CD, whatever you want to call it. It is mm. borderline flawless. Apart from the skits, like I said, I think it's sensational. I don't know. It's just it just clicked with me, mate. Straight away, I was like, whoa. That first song, I was like, whoa, okay. And I don't even like jazz, but this jazz fusion type hip-hop bomba. Oh, yeah, I, I love it, mate. Thank you so much for bringing it to me. And I'm going to listen to your recommendations from <laughs> forever now. It Everyone really, should. <laughs> it genuinely, it, it proper flawed me. Gas Face is very good. It? That's a very good yes. track. Yeah, it's just, very yeah. funny. Though. I've just been listening to Stepping Into The AM in the background. Yeah, it's just... It's easy listening. To, I, I can imagine, like, I don't drive, but if I were driving and these songs come on, man, I'd be cruising. Do you know what I mean? In my whip. I'd be fucking having a good time. Cruising in Honking my, my horns. Honking <laughs> my horn at all the, all the ladies. It's just... All the fly know, honeys. Just, yeah, it's just <laughs> such a good album. Just listen to it, please. Listener, listen to it. It's sensational. Thank you, Biggie. Thank you very much. I'm very happy. Good, good. Um, gadget. Uh, so I was given by Stig uh, Top <laughs> Gun, the motion picture soundtrack. <laughs> yes. Great album, is it? 
Yeah. Yes. It's a sensational album. So, I've said like people gave you an album, this album, because all the rock albums, you'd know, you've probably heard of them and know them yeah. all. So I went for pure 80s cheese. I mean, to be fair, you could have given me Alexis on fire. I've never, I've never listened to their music. Yeah, not from the 80s. Not from the 80s. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Um, early, early noughties then. There would, yeah, be very, no. there would be very young boys just smacking be, plastic yeah. instruments. <laughs> Little sperms. <laughs> anyway, Top Gun. I have no nostalgia for the film. I've never seen it. I don't want to see it because I don't. This might give you it <laughs> to make you want to watch it. No, <laughs> no. I, 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 there's no, there's no chance I'll ever watch it because I've got a flat ban on Tom Cruise stuff, or rather, just any, <laughs> well, no, I, I just don't, I don't support anything I consciously know is Scientology based. If Tom Cruise knocked on your door and said, "Hi, smiling, hi, I, I broke it down." <laughs> Can I can I borrow your phone for some gas? Would you be like, no, Tom, close the door on him? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I imagine you would. And then it would just it, 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 there'd be a comedy of errors involved me ringing my dad, going, Dad, Tom Cruise won't get out the closet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He's running around the garden, full sprint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I I I listened this a couple of times. Um, my main, I, I mean, it's. The, some of the songs are already new, so I already obviously knew Danger Zone because it's one of the most famous songs of the 80s. Same yeah. with Take My Breath Away. I knew that one. Um, Did it take your breath away listening to it again? No, because it's one of the most overplayed power ballads of all fucking time. <laughs> it's great. Ba, da, 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 da. Fuck off, you synth oh, bastard. Bum, bum. Um, <laughs> that's not to say I disliked everything on it. So I, I really liked uh, Mighty Wings by Cheap Trick. Um, yes. That's a great track. I didn't really like Playing With The Boys by Kenny Loggins because I think Danger Zone is kind of the peak Loggins, I think. If you're listening to uh, Playing With The Boys in the shower, it makes it better. I, it makes it a lot better. The context of Playing With The Boys in, to the film, though, is what makes that song so Funny. good. Because it's them all, like... The volleyballing. Yeah, oil, oil, like, oiled up. Oh, is, oiled is, is, up, is, is, playing volleyball. I mean, I assume, yeah. We're not gay. We're definitely not gay. <laughs> I, I, I assume that song would go with the homoerotic bits. Yeah, oh, yes. it's oh, such yes. a homoerotic film um, it's unbelievable Pip sent me a TikTok which had the theory that it's like the film is actually about someone being in the closet it is, and, like, it's, exactly, it's exactly what it is uh, with the so, yeah, t- uh, Lead Me On by Tina Marie is one of the most forgettable things I've ever heard I don't like that song uh, so yeah Take My Breath Away by I'm going in the orders of the songs on the album now Take My Breath Away <laughs> by Berlin it's just so overplayed I know it it's, I know it's the classic it's the love theme but oh my god! I think the problem is it's just so in this in the context of today it's so heavy-handed in its <laughs> theming. Um, Hot Summer Nights by Miami Sound Machine I like because I really like Miami Sound Machine. Yeah, like, gl- good. They, they have good beats and good vibes. I really like uh, Gloria Estefan's voice. So yeah, I'm into that. Heaven in Your Eyes by Lover Boy is fucking dreadful. I hate it. It's that. terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, it's proper bad. Through the Fire by Larry Green is forgettable. I like Destination Unknown by Marietta Waters. That was pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. 
I really, really like the Top Gun anthem by uh, Harold Faltermeyer. Um, oh, good. I was going to ask you whether you actually listened to that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, like, like the full, anthem's really good. Yeah, for I mean, I, I, I knew the the tune. I, I didn't know it was for Top Gun. Yeah, so I, I've obviously so heard good. it somewhere before, and uh, yeah, I really like that. And it's a it's like that peak kind of eighties cock rock instrumental sound that I really like. Um. Yeah. The one Stick gave me actually is the expanded one as well. So there's some extra songs from the film. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, so <laughs> Sitting on the Dock of the Bay by Otis Redding is just an absolute classic. Like You can't yeah, say anything bad about that song. It's, it's, no. it's pure. Don't you can't even say try anything it, bad about Otis Redding in general. No. Yeah. Uh, Memories uh, from Harold Faltermeyer. Another instrumental one doesn't hit as well as the Top Gun anthem does. I'm no. sorry, that one, that one doesn't work for me. Uh, Great Balls of Fire by Jerry Lee Lewis. Again, it's an absolute fucking rock. It's a rock and roll classic. Um, Incredible! You've lost that love and feeling by the Righteous Brothers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you've lost the love. See these and these are tracks more that like that they sing in because they sing around the bar as well, don't yeah. they? Great balls yes. of fire and, that, yes. and love and feeling. So they're not so much in the in the film actual film soundtrack. So this these have been added because they are sung right. in the film. But by these the characters, are bonuses. Yeah, they're, yeah, yeah, they're bonuses. DLC, mate. Yeah, and then there's a there's a <laughs> there's another version of playing with the boys, which, given the context, it's the twelve inch version. Uh, <laughs> Chance would be a fine thing. Uh, it's actually a better version of the song, actually, because it, it it it's more like it's more like I want to play in a nightclub rather than like the kind of rock ballad that playing with the boys. What kind of was. nightclub? <laughs> the, the, the kind that you put leather Blue on Easter. and go to in the eighties and do a lot of a lot of drugs in the dark. Um, yeah, yeah, and smoking a lot of like, pole. I I think more than anything, I mean, despite the fact of what 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 it's for, like, I don't really get on that well with compilation albums the best time because I think compilation albums, especially based around films, they they don't flow. They don't have like the, there's nothing really linking the songs other than they were used in the same thing. Yeah, it's because they're all designed separately, weren't they? Yeah, so they're all, just, there's no coherence to it. There's no coherence, and yeah, they're they're probably in the order that you've encountered them in the film, but the. Without having the film there, they don't have that connective tissue to them. So it's kind of disparate to listen to it. But far too many of the songs were fucking power ballads. For a film like fucking Top Gun, I want more kind of like like rock rocking tracks. Like, you know, you got to start with Danger Zone and Mighty Wings. Those are two, Mate, those you, are two you know, openers for an album. You know Stig's Monday morning gym playlist is power ballads. Full <laughs> whack. Oh, this Still, like, to I, 11. Do love, I do love a power ballad. I swear, after I'd watched Top Gun Maverick, I was just into 80s power ballads and 80s music for a whole week. <laughs> just like, <laughs> straight away, like I said, the first thing I put on after Maverick was the, the soundtrack and and, uh, and all that. It was just Danger Zone and playing with the boys, like just singing that in the car on my way home from the cinema. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like I said, I liked a few songs on it, but it's not like, again, because I have no nostalgia. Did you not buy the, the vinyl then? No, I didn't. Because I've got no nostalgia <laughs> for the film and I've got no desire to see the film, it doesn't. It's not something I would listen to as a compilation. I'm mm. sure the songs all work in situ uh, in the film itself, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially I fucking hate taking my breath away. It's so over fucking done. Oh my Next god! Next karaoke session, guys. Wasn't it number one for like forever as well. It was just there. Not as much as um, Brian Adams. No, was well, it? yeah, it wasn't as much as Brian Adams. Mm. But yeah, so um, <laughs> I, guess I do like Danger Zone. Actually, the best—I still think the best version of Danger Zone is the one they did for Archer. Well, they did a country version with um, Cheryl. Did they? Yeah, it, w- it was with the voice actress who plays Cheryl mm. uh, and Kenny Loggins. They got Kenny Loggins involved with it as well. <laughs> it's fucking great. 
Honestly, I think I've t- said this before. One of the best moments for Danger Zone was a GTA Five mission where you have to steal some jets off a boat, and it starts as you're driving the jets away to where you need to go store them. It starts playing Danger Zone. Does it? Yeah. Yeah. So, what would you rate it out out of ten, mate? It's like a. I mean, I liked like five tracks on it, so five out of ten. Perfect. I'm not, tracks, I'm, not even, I'm not even mad. It's not even one that I'm precious about. I just had yeah. to find something. He's just I knew glad that, that you hadn't. sat there listening to it. <laughs> I, 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 I think at some point I'll probably learn how to play the Top Gun anthem on the guitar because that's a, that Please. is a really good piece of music. That I really enjoyed. That. It is Inter- it really is nice iconic. guitar work on it. <clears throat> excellent, excellent, excellent. Biggie. Yeah. Well. There's a reason why Candy and I will never be together. Is uh, I've been given an- another product that I hate. Is uh, Motley Crue's album Doctor Feelgood. Yeah, thank you, Candy. He's the one that called Doctor Feelgood. He's gonna keep on all night. Something like that, isn't it? What? Yes. It, <laughs> I don't think that's Doctor Feelgood. Well, it is today. <laughs> It's it starts. I thought it was going to be like a themed album because it starts with uh, Mate, like it's a. Mate, it's Motley Crue. They didn't have any brains. <laughs> it had more, like a, more drugs than anything. <laughs> yeah, hospital tannoy come on, and it says like calling that to feel good. Can you, you know, yeah. all this kind of thing? It's not a concept like, album, okay. is it? <laughs> no, it goes into Doctor Feel Good, which is a perfectly fine uh, rock yeah. track, and that was about it really for the theme. Um, the next track <laughs> was a bit more interesting, Slice of Your Pie. I don't think enough songs d- about desserts are discussed. I think it's should be it's definitely well about, worth... It's not about the pie. That's not the pie they're talking about. It's definitely about <laughs> cuisine, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It, it's always about cheesecakes and pies. I think it... You should, you, should, yeah. you should go listen to Warrant and Cherry Pie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Slice of Your Pie is exactly what it is. It's one of those songs. Um, that then went into Rattles, Rattlesnake Shake, um, which was actually quite well, a no, good Is, is that about track. snakes, do you reckon, then? No. no, no. <laughs> yeah, snake catchers. But then uh, it really gets completely dated at the... Um, in the middle with the guitar riff. And, oh, I love the fact that, you know, like in um, hip-hop, they say, like, drop the beat and stuff like that. Yeah. In their rock, they go, guitar! And then someone, yeah, starts, playing the, <laughs> someone starts playing the guitar, and, and then you get the synth orchestra in the background as well, which is awful. <laughs> Completely dates the album. You know it's an 80s album at that point. And speaking of which, uh, the next track, Kickstart My Heart, uh, which apparently was a song inspired by bassist Nicky Sachs having an overdose as a paramedic. Oh, so yeah, Nikki Six, Nikki Six, who uh, <laughs> had a, an overdose, and a paramedic had to inject his heart with adrenaline. But there's a bit of Pete Frampton style whoa with a guitar actually yeah, yeah, saying he, the word whoa. Yeah, yeah Mick Mars uses a talk box on it. Yeah, um, and then you got yes, your power ballad without you comes in next. Oh, I hate ballads with rock. Just yeah, skip. Same old situation, which is a weird song because it's all about lesbianism, from what I gather, and not in a good way. 
<laughs> really sexist song about that. Um, so yeah, moving on from that, it was um, Sticky Sweet um, with the brilliant lyrics. When she calls me up, my voice, it starts to shake. She comes right over, over right away. Oh, good God, there's a fire in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much sums up that one. Bards of our ages. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly finished. Don't go away mad, just go away. It was apparently a song inspired by a line in a film, but they couldn't remember which film it was in, so that's all I know <laughs> about that. And then Time for a Change is the final track on the record, and it's basically them wanting to be like some Band-Aid wannabes about trying to bring change to the world and revolution and all this kind of stuff. I will admit it was a better album than the Bon Jovi one. It Bullshit. would have been something. If I was into rock, I probably would have listened to this, I reckon. I mean, to be fair, I agree with Stig. This album, album is, this album is not better than, than the Bon Jovi album. Well, for me, not. it was. It's not at all. I, 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 like, I like looking at um, these 80s things on Spotify because it shows you how many times the songs are played. Um, no one listens to this album. Like slice, slice of your pie. Apparently, it's a big hit, though, wasn't it? No, no, the album's Man. a big hit. But like, so slice of your pie like has six million uh, listens. Sticky sweet has eight million listens. She goes down seven million listens. Kickstart my heart has four hundred and thirty-two million listens. And Doctor oh, Feelgood, right, so- Doctor Feelgood has one hundred and seventy-two million listens. People just listen to the singles. Yeah, yeah. There was one quote I read somewhere where producer Bob Rock found working with the crew difficult, describing them as four LA badasses who used to drink a bottle of wine and want to kill each other, which I thought was probably nowhere near what they got up to, but I thought that was such a weird comment. Never forget, Tommy Lee steered a boat with his dick. You need to respect that. Also, <laughs> <laughs> got, that, also, yeah, got that on video as well. Yeah, Motley Crue were famously very difficult to work with in the studio. Oh, the horrible, horrible. They were, they were just like spoiled kids, weren't they? Well, yeah, yeah, because they were kind of they were rich kids of rock, weren't they? <clears throat> yeah, and they'd yeah. been around the, the LA- Sunset Strip. Yeah, they'd been around LA for a long time. They were known for partying hard. They partied harder than like Guns N' Roses did, and they were just an absolute nightmare to be around at all times in the eighties. Yeah, it, like Nicky Six died about four times. Uh, one of them killed somebody else. Tommy Lee stayed about with, uh, about with his dick. You're obsessed um, with that. Yeah, Mick Mars was just a crumbling man from day one. He, he had see, some I, kind of I'm a, yeah. He's got he's got a neuro, disease, hasn't he? Neuro, uh, neurodivergent disease? No, neurodivergent. Yes, he's got he's got something, hasn't he? He's, yeah, it's like brittle bones or something. And he's still he's still playing guitar today, even though he's like a husk. The the, the, the funniest thing, Big, if you go on TikTok and look up some some videos of um of Motley Crue performing recently. Oh, they're bad. The singer. <laughs> Vince Neil's terrible. Vince, Vince Neil. He's worse, he's worse than Axel Rose. <laughs> oh, my God. That must be bad. No, it's, honestly, it's, 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 it's really funny because he's, he's clearly completely lost his voice. He's just kind of screeching the words. Yeah. <laughs> but then you've got Mick. Because he's got quite a high-pitched voice. He's got it? a high-pitched voice, but he can't hit it anymore. So it's like his voice is kind of cracking and breaking all the time. But then you've got Mick Mars there. Mick Mars has been, I'm sure he's been clinically dead for the last 13 years. He's he, like a revenant. He's just like, he put, Mick Mars is kind of ill and has, I think it's either brittle bone syndrome or some kind of motor neuron Something. disease. He's just yeah. kind of stood there like this tiny, thin little waif of a skeleton holding his guitar. Still playing it all perfectly. Like he's still yeah. really good at the guitar, but they're yeah. just, they're still wearing like their 80s spandex and stuff like that. And you're looking at them going, <laughs> no, no, mate, just, just take Come your on, money lads. and go. Take your money and they're go. Not sk- yeah, they're not skin, are they? No. <laughs> yeah, I, I weirdly prefer this album to the Bon Jovi one. There what would you go. rate it out of 10 then? I can't remember what I did the last one, but let's say 
69 out of 10. <laughs> four. Four out of 10. Yeah, that's, that's worse than the Bon Jovi one. Yeah. I'm sure you said six, didn't yeah. you? Something. Well, I'll put it higher than if, I'll put it higher than that one. No, so if that was no, six. No. Wait, is she giving Doctor Feel Good? I can't remember. Seven out of ten. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> but there you go. Yeah, I preferred it to the Bon Jovi one. That's all I can say. But I didn't. Uh, like all right, it. okay. How many of those tracks made it onto Biggie's rock playlist? Yeah, exactly. None. None, no. exactly. And two from Bon Jovi made it onto Biggie's exactly. rock playlist. So I think I'll count that as a win. So win, mate. Right, Sherlock fucking Holmes. You know he writes <laughs> everything down. Memory. He writes it all down. I have a good memory for absolute useless shit. Nothing, <laughs> nothing that's gonna get me ahead in life. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, my friends of... often count ask me, "How do you remember this shit from school?" Don't know, but I wish I remembered the good stuff that would actually <laughs> earn me more money. <laughs> yeah. So Stig, you got. Uh, 1984's Welcome to the Pleasure Dome by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Yeah! Mm. Looking forward to this one. This is oh, probably the most 80s album. Yes. That's why I picked ever. it. Right. So I've, I've kind of gone through track by track. Uh, again, like similar type Biggie, I've got notes. So the opening track is uh, weird. And yeah. Not really in keeping with the rest of the album, to be honest. There's op- opera singers, there's random laughing. It's a weird opener. But then the ne- <laughs> it leads on to the next track, right? What? Who the fuck starts their album with a 13 minute and 40 second? <laughs> Frankie goes track. to Hollywood, baby. Right. Where a minute and a half of it. Jungle music. Is fucking birds in an aviary. Yeah. <laughs> like, honestly, I thought when I listened to this, I was like, because I knew this had like relax and stuff on it. But like, when I was listening to this, I was like, what the fuck is Oodles giving me here? Like, it's just. It, it, after after this after the first couple of minutes, it kicks off into what you'd ex- what you know of Frankie Goes to Hollywood. If you've heard Two Tribes and Relax and all that, that's it starts like that. But then within all that, it's just a lot of instrumental. It, yeah. It's a shit track to start the album on. It's not. It is. It's fucking terrible. I well, I've listened to this album about four, maybe five times. I haven't listened to that track more than once because I know ain't nobody got time for that. That's Welcome all I'm saying. To the pleasure dome. It's long fu- way from home. It's shit. It's a shit up. There's no need for your opening track of an album to be 30 minutes and 40 seconds long. It's bombastic. Anyway, no. Just Stone Roses, then he do that with the second coming. That was about yeah. like a nine, 10 minute track as well. Meatloaf, every track. <laughs> yeah, you, 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 you can get away with it if all your songs are like 10 yeah, minutes. Yeah, exactly. Plus. Like, exactly. Like you listen to a dream, dream theater. Yeah, listen to a dream theater <laughs> album. The first track's 13 minutes. That's fine because the next track is 17 minutes. You don't care so much for that. Yeah, you know what you you know what you're going in for, but this was just like I don't know what they were doing. Continue. Next track, relax. Obviously, it's a tune we all know. It's a banger. What was what more can you say about it? Were you lifting weights while listening to it? Please tell no, me. No, I didn't go to gym one. Listen to this in the gym. Um 
then onto their version of War, which um, I was really into this. Really like it. It's good, this. isn't it? Yeah, I like the opening and with it kind of extended yeah. and echoey kind of word, like the way from the, the lyrics from the song. Then suddenly it changes pace. It throws in some bongos, a wooden block. You've got a funky bass line, a piano. Like, it's so funky. Like the, that, that, that. It's yeah. like, it's like it, you can see it now. It's an '80s buddy cop film from the '80s, and yes. it's a city skyline, and the and the and the camera is like panning over the city, over the mean? Hollywood Hills. Oh yeah, it's like yeah, it's like it's pure <laughs> from bow, bow, yeah, bow, bow. yes, I really like that, oh, and then I really really God. like the spoken word stuff in this, in between all like the actual singing, yeah, yeah, like, where he's talking about love and war and culture and stuff, mixing that. I, yeah. I was really into that. Like, it's a really good. Re- version in it yeah it's it's a really good like remake of that of that song a really good cover uh two tribes another one we are, everyone should know really and it got a sensational intro to that song oh yeah the two tribes is brilliant mm. there's a 12 inch remix of that which is really yeah there cool. is it's so long <laughs> as you can imagine i'll stick to the uh, radio edit <laughs> Yeah, that's another one another great song there's not much more to say on that then suddenly we're treated to a piece of classical music and yes. a man talking about orgasms and ejaculation. Yes. Just, Told you it's a gay album. Just 35 seconds where he just, <laughs> it just talks about orgasms and, and ejaculation and then moves on. Like You're in the pleasure down, mate. Like nothing's happened. <laughs> Sounds like my sex life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's telling. Yes. And then we, we, we're about the midway point here, and I, I really like this. All of a sudden, in the middle of the album, it all slows down and we get a cover of Ferry Across the Mersey. Yep. And then, boom, straight into a cover of Born to Run. I'm listening yeah, to the Born to a, Run cover right now. I didn't know they'd done good. this. It's, it's really, really good. good. Co- it's really good. It's a really, <laughs> yeah. really good cover. It's sensational. And then it's followed up by a lovely cover of San Jose. Like, all of a sudden, you get this triple whammy of covers yep. slap bang in the middle of the album. And none of them sound like any of the other tracks. None of them have that synth, like pop uh, music that. Frankie goes on. Just quality time. covers, just aren't really they? good covers. Like, yeah, loved it. The, and then the, wish- the, the, the Born to Run covers to, to me sounds more like um, it's more like new wave than anything, isn't it? Than the yeah, kind you, of synth do you know they're doing. Do you know the guitar solo in that? And the saxophone solo yeah. in that? They do it with like a slap bass. But ding, 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 ding. It's so good. Oh, there's a <laughs> so lot of slap. There's a lot of funky bass in this album. Yeah, there is. Really good. <laughs> yeah, including this next song, "Wish the Lads Were Here." Another funky song, oh, proper catchy. Yes. Yes, man. Uh, Battle of Thirty Two. Skipped it on re-listen. Five minute instrumental. Yeah, I, I like it. Yeah. Crisscross kisses. Another fun track. Mm-hmm. Gets, gets your shoulders and your hips moving. I was dancing around to this. Yeah, love the bit where he's like crisscross kisses. Like yes. that, that bit right near the end. Brilliant. <laughs> like a lot of these tracks, I was like kind of cleaning around and doing stuff and kind of mm-hmm. dancing around a bit and. Bumping and grinding next to Kate. Do you have a pinny on? I'd like to see you in an apron or a pinny. No, but I, was, I, I, had, the, I had the music on and I was giving like Kate a good butt bump. Like, <laughs> yeah, do you have a t shirt on that says, Frankie says relax like a crop top? I'd, lo- I'd love to see you in that. <laughs> With navel out. Oof. <laughs> um, Black Knight, White Knight. It's a bit dull. Not much yeah, to say on that. It's my least favourite one. Yeah. Uh, the Only Star in Heaven. It's okay. Uh, there's a mm-hmm. tune about three minutes into it. It's a sample I've heard elsewhere. I don't know where it's from, but I've heard oh, it on know. film or TV. If you go to about three minutes ten into that song, was that only star in heaven? Yeah, you'll hear this kind of this this sample. I've heard it on like something Game before. Shows. 
No, like a, a film or something. Maybe they invented it and they've took it. No, I think it's being used on a film. I think it's been uh-huh. sampled and put into the, on a film yeah. before, and I have no idea what film or where I can remember it from, but I've definitely heard. Maybe I've, it is theirs, and they've just they've yeah. Just I've never film like sir. I've never heard this track before, but when I was listening to that, I was like, I, I know this tune. I just cannot yeah, place yeah, yeah. it. And then the album ends with "Power of Love." That's that that sound. Yeah, uh, I think Mark Ronson's used it a few times. There you go. Could be. I, I'm sure it's on one of Mark Ronson's songs. It's definitely been sampled somewhere and been used in a film. I just can't place it. Um, yeah. But yeah. Power of Love. Power of Love. After such an upbeat, vibrant, and funky album. Strange ending, isn't it? To end it on a haunting and beautiful love song is really mm. brave. I love this song. I think it's fucking outstanding. It's a great ballad. And it's not, it's not a Christmas song. No, that's just John Lewis fucking putting it into their <laughs> album, into their <laughs> advert. It was released Power at love. Christmas, but it's not <clears throat> a Christmas song. Power of Love is outstanding. I think it's a awesome song and like to just end this album that's been full on like weird and funky and all over yeah. a little bit all over the place I think it's a great song to end it on there isn't like an outro instrumental called Bang it's like a minute yeah. long it's not really worth nothing of notes so you, not worth it is to it to me I'm kind of like I'm thinking the power of love that's the perfect ending they didn't really need to put Bang at the end but yeah like I think that, that, that was a thing with a lot of 80s bands where they would end on it on like a big ballad that 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 was definitely a, th- a trend with the '80s albums for a long time. I remember that, like, I remember watching a documentary and Ho- Holly Johnson, the singer. He was like, "We have to end it on Power of Love. We have to end it on Power of Love." And he'd like he put his. I mean, the band didn't last long anyway. I think they only no, did two they albums. only did two albums. I was surprised by it. I was looking at like yeah. looking them up, and I was like, "Well, you've got their three biggest hits on this one album." The proper fell out anyway, but he, he put his foot down. and Says, "If we don't end it with Power of Love, I'm done." Mm. So I think it's I think it's worth. I think, it, like I say, it's a brave step. Yeah, really good. Overall, eight out of ten, mainly just because yes. that um, that first first two out tracks absolute <laughs> shite, and there's a couple of dull ones later on. But you know, majority of the tracks in this are brilliant. And it's so eighties as well. Oh, so eighties. There's so much synth and so much like <laughs> like funky beats and and whatnot. Like I yeah. said, there's so many of these tracks where you could just see it being played over some like Beverly Hills Cop, like while they're just you know. Doing pan shots of yeah. the city or or, or following yeah. him in a car. It's just that kind of music. Yeah. So, so, yeah. I really enjoyed nine, that. It's a long album for 1984. It's 64 minutes long. Yeah, that's because yeah. they have a first track that's 13 minutes long, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great song. It's a great song. Absolutely great song. The radio edit's better though, yeah. <laughs> that one I just I'm not bothered about listening to again. But there's there's other ones on there that I would listen to again. Did you like? I, I thought I, you, you did mention it. The the Liverpool connection, uh, Ferry Across the Mersey, because they're a Liverpoolian band. It's a it's a nice little cover of that, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's a nice, it's a lovely little cover. Yeah, mm, yeah. Like I said, it just all of a sudden just pops in there after these kind of big, yeah. big loud tracks and it's like a nice little you thought the album intermission. Was weird, you should play the uh, video game. <laughs> Frankie goes yeah, to Hollywood. Yeah, please. <laughs> please. Is there a video <laughs> game? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just as weird. It's just as weird. It's Commodore 64, my turn. Yeah, not Nintendo 64. Is <laughs> that just like when they used to make video games of everything? Yes. Like when they did a Moonwalker game. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you did like Pleasure Dome because it's like again, like I said, I want probably my top three '80s albums. I just, I just think it's quintessential. It's almost a one-it wonder because the second album didn't do much anyway, and they were on the way out regardless. And I think, like, 
Frankie says relax is one of the slogans of the 80s as well. That's still to this day. You can still sometimes see someone wear a t-shirt that says that. It came back in vogue a few years ago again, didn't it? And yeah. she played GTA Vice City. They've all, they've all got those on. It's just, yeah, I think it's great. I'm glad, I'm glad you liked it. I'm brilliant, brilliant. I'm glad you weren't let down. But um, Candy had, was given a masterpiece, by... wasn't she? <laughs> she well, I, I, yeah, I, I gave her one of my favorite albums of all time. Oh, um, wow. I didn't know it was that strong. Well, yeah, because I gave her um, Passion Warfare by Steve Vai, which is uh, an, an album I absolutely adore. Um, but I did give it to her as punishment because it's a it's a guitar <laughs> instrumental album. <laughs> Stig what I like. So so she, so although she's not here tonight, she did she did write in. Says, "Let me paint you a picture. It's dark and cold night. I'm on my way back from Birmingham, panicking. I won't make it home for the recording. NEC traffic is mounting, and Googly Baps tells me there's a delay on the motorway. The stress is <laughs> mounting. The pressure is on." I think to myself, I better put on that album Gadget recommended for me. That album was Passion and Warfare by Steve Vai, in what I can only assume is penance for making him watch Verotica last night. <laughs> <laughs> a film I still firmly believe is in cinematic genius. No. Or wrong, Candy. What, fo- what followed was an hour of the most self-indulgent fret wankery I've ever encountered, smattered with the occasional inexplicable baby noises and the sound of cocaine being inhaled. <laughs> Yeah, perfect. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong, I can absolutely see the talent shining through in his guitar playing, and there's the occasional hook. But my God, he insists upon himself. I understand <laughs> that guitar music without a singer is very much like Marmite. I'm not a musician, and for that reason, I'm sure a lot of the intricacies of what he's doing are lost on me. But I have listened to and enjoyed John Five's solo album, so it's either flown so far over my head that it wouldn't be able to hit me if it shat at me, or the album is truly garbage. I will say that I've never considered intentionally crashing my car before, but at one point, death did seem like the easier way out. <laughs> wow. Also if, also, if Gadget is reading this, I didn't make it home in time. <laughs> wow. Nine out of ten. I think she liked it. Mm. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. What are your thoughts on that album? You love it, don't you? I adore it. I think it's brilliant. But it, it, I think it's a good album. Yeah, again, some, it's some good bangers in there. Again, it's one of those things that you kind of need to be a musician to appreciate it. I think it's a bit much to say he insists upon himself. It's his album. Yeah, called <laughs> Steve Vai by Steve Vai. <laughs> yeah. What's the album called again? Passion and Warfare. Passion and Warfare, yeah. The, some of, uh, the, what's the, uh, the, the big hit from it? Uh, uh, for the Love of God. That's the one, yeah. Which is the big ballad one. Yeah. yeah well, there's um, The Audience is Listening, which is an absolute banger where, where he's playing it. He's, he's got like a kid version of himself making a noise in the classroom. He got his actual English teacher in to shout at him. Yeah, fun fact as well. It's Brian May's favourite album of all time. Yeah, it's a really, really fucking good album. There are a couple of tracks on it which, again, even like I find, um, oh shit, I think it's it's Ballerina twelve twenty four eleven twenty four. I I don't like that mm. one um, because it is just it's just high pitched noise. But yeah, yeah. But I, I can hear what he's doing with it. I understand what he likes. Is he self-insistent again? 
Sometimes. I think he is. Right, a ballerina twelve twenty four actually. Um, I think of that Family Guy joke when he says that. When someone says that. Uh, Alien Water Kiss as well is, is not particularly good. The funny thing is though, so I have the the transcription book of this album because at some point I thought, hey, I could learn how to play Steve Vai. No, I fucking can't. No, you can't. Um, no, you can't. Alien Water Kiss is made from samples and random noises. The transcription of it is just artwork done with the staves. Oh wow! <laughs> because it's it, it's impossible to play. It's not something you could play. So it's mm. so it's really really sweet. Uh, but yeah, Fashion Warfare is great. It's fucking damn it, Candy, you're wrong. You gave it also, to the wrong ears. Also, if it wasn't for Passion and Warfare, you wouldn't have corn. Mm. So the re- and the re- makes sense. And the reason for this is so Steve Vai um, was uh, in the in the in the early to mid eighties when he was playing with Alcatraz. He became a um, uh, an, an artist for Ibanez, the guitar manufacturer, uh, and he was one of their experimental uh, experimental artists. He kept kind of pushing their custom shop to do different things, try different things. You know, make something new. I can make new sounds with. And he pushed them to. He, he was. He was. He was weird. Weird about the limitations of the guitar because it's six strings, twenty four frets. Uh, he said to them, "Could you make one with a seventh string?" Um, and he tried it out. So they put instead of having the high E string, he had a high A string, but it kept snapping. So he says, "All right, make it a low B string." Uh, so you get the lower tuning on it, and that's what he used on Passion Warfare. And the Steve Vai Universe became the first commercial um, seven-string guitar you could buy. And Korn used them. Now, they were made in a limited run. Uh, Head and Monkey from Korn bought them. And it got to the point where Korn got big. They needed, basically, touring guitars. They had they each had a seven-string, but they needed touring guitars. They had to actually go to Steve Vai and say, will you allow Ibanez to make more of these guitars so we can have more than one to go <laughs> on a world tour with? <laughs> Plus, halfway through the Steve Vai song, he goes, Are you ready? He does that. Yeah, yeah. If it if it wasn't for passion and warfare, um, corn wouldn't be a thing, and a lot of kind of heavy metal. That would have been a good thing. Yeah, that would have been a good thing in my opinion. You don't like corn? God, no. Ah, fuck you. Corn are great. Corn. Better than limp biscuit. Knobs. Yeah, everything's better than limp biscuit. What the fuck? (gasps) Everything. Brilliant. So. We have got no feedback because... We didn't ask for any. We didn't ask for any, and how could the feedback on excellence? So, as always, links to all our extracurricular activities are in our show notes and at modernescapism.co.uk. Please consider becoming a patron to help support our endeavour next week. Uh Uh-oh. It's patron's choice. Oh, no. So if you are a patron, please tune in to your patron feeds and find out what you will be able to vote on. 80s themed, obviously. Please be gentle. The last pick was quite fun, I may add. The Halloween one that they did. Yeah. Yes. And off the back of that, Gadget has now a deal with Admin Animation. Yeah. yeah um, <laughs> Nick Park was a little bit disturbed by my ideas, but he's, he's, yeah. he's, he's, put, he's putting them into place. Yes, definitely doing it. Definitely doing it. So it's going to work. But yeah, as usual, if you're not a patron... This is the end of the show, but for patrons, we'll meet you in the green room in a second, so goodbye! Bye. Bye.